when you first got to the varsity football team at Amarillo High School, who was the first person to bust your butt and welcome you to the varsity level competition? Man, um, you know, I'm getting old, older in my age, so I don't know if I remember specific names. I remember people, you know, I yeah, mean, like yeah. groups of people, and it was mainly the seniors. And <laughs> and uh, I didn't make varsity till my junior year, but, um, you know, just guys that, um, uh, you know, names that, that sound from, that, that I remember that just being intimidated by uh, Dax yeah. uh, Ratton and and uh Destry Runyon and Blue Baggett and all these guys that were a year or two years older than me uh I just you know again always thought that uh, as an as a 10th grader 11th grader I was just you know thought they were so big and strong and didn't yeah. think I'd ever you know get to that point now look back and go what was the big deal you know but now they're all great great physical players and and um like I said I don't know if I remember any one instance uh that I got you know my butt knocked off um, I probably remember that more in college than I did in high school, but uh, I do remember the feeling of being kind of in, just nervous, intimidated, you know, all that kind of stuff. It always feel like I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast This is episode number 64 with uh, a real special guest of mine It's a very special edition, this is a guy I've actually gotten to work alongside uh, We spent many hours in the defensive meeting room at Ridgepoint High School during that special 2014 season he has now taken over the mantle as the head football coach and athletic coordinator at our beloved Ridgepoint High School, and I am proud to call him my friend. Welcome, Rick LeFavors, to the show. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thanks. Thanks, Coach Kovo. Pleasure. Honor. All right. If you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure you've given us the five-star rating. We're over 50 on Spotify, so we, we, we broke the 50 uh, record. Uh, we're over 20, uh, 25 on Apple Podcasts, so just keep them coming. If you want to leave a written review, I'll read those, and word of mouth is great. So if you find if you have anyone that listens to podcasts and just enjoys coaching or positivity or anything or fun stories, uh, this would be a, this is the show for them. We, we'd love to welcome more fans. Uh, hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We'd be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. Now, Coach, one thing that you mentioned to me in your notes, and this is kind of cool. You had the unique distinction of being the last class where you got to be the big man on the junior high campus. <laughs> you got to be a ninth grader going to school with like sixth graders. And then, <laughs> so they switched at the very next year to where most yeah. of us are right, are used to like a nine, 12 high school. So you avoided yeah. being the little, you know, 14 year old runt on a high school campus. So I, I did. Yeah. I, um, it was unique. That's all I knew. We grew up, you know, K through six and then seventh, eighth and ninth. Oh, I, okay. And then 10th, 11th, 12th. And so uh, in ninth grade, we had letter jackets uh, <laughs> at, my, at my junior high yeah. and uh, bright baby blue, North Carolina, Carolina blue um, jackets. And 
you know, we were the big man on campus. And, uh, and then that year when it was time for us to transition to, to high school, they, they changed, you know, the district uh, changed the policy or situation, whatever you want to call it, and, and went to uh, ninth through 12th and 6th, 7th, 8th for uh, junior high. So the ninth grade, the, uh, you know, eighth graders, if you will, we were ninth graders, came with us and became ninth graders while we were 10th graders. And we never, I got to experience the big man on campus, yeah. you know, uh, with all my, my friends. And then we were able to kind of dodge the, the freshman hazing, uh, if you will, yeah. um, by being 10th graders. So, yeah, it was, it was a good, good experience. Having lived it, do you have an opinion? I guess everywhere that I've ever been, it's it's six through eight, nine through twelve. But I know at other places it's different. I think Plano, the Plano schools are famous for starting at tenth grade, I believe. You know, so mm-hmm. you've kind of lived it as an administrator. I mean, you're you're an administrator now. Do you, do you have a feeling on which setup is better? Uh, to be honest with you, I think looking back, ninth graders being in in junior high uh minus the sixth grade i like the model that i grew up with i look back on the maturity level mm-hmm. you know um and, and i just think separation for between ninth grade and for for many reasons you yeah. know uh, uh uh of that and the, and the older kids is is better um i like i tell you i worked at lamar consolidated and um they had a sixth grade campus because sixth grade's kind of an awkward sure Yep. Uh, age as well. I think I think sixth grade's too young to be with with um, the middle school, um, and and you could probably argue they might be too old, you know, for the for the elementary. So sure. yep. uh, they had in, in Lamar Consolidated ISD. They had a separate sixth grade campus, so it was K through five, sixth grade campus, seventh and eighth grade middle school, and then um, you know ninth through twelfth high school, but. But yeah, I, I, you know, I'm biased probably, but I, I, I thought ninth grade being a junior high, you, you miss, you, you know, we didn't, nobody played varsity athletics or high school athletics as a ninth grader. Um, I mean, I guess you could from tra- travel standpoint, but uh, that would be the only, you know, drawback, I guess. But I think the benefits outweigh that. Yeah, no, it's really interesting because, I mean, I know, like you mentioned, sixth grade centers. I know Aldine, where I, where I was at, had ninth grade centers. You know, I think A-Leaf does as well. well. So- and, and I'll tell you, that would be the other alternative if you didn't want to put them with the, in the middle school, junior high setting is, I think, having their own campus just where they could be goofy and silly, you know, yeah. uh, by themselves. And, right. and again, that's another awkward uh stage uh, of life for 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 uh teenagers growing up and um just the influences of the older kids and you know i just think it's a it would be good to to kind of have a separate campus i would love it uh if you know you want it somewhat near just so you could have access to them but so you grew up in amarillo and for those that don't know it's it's a panhandle city i've never had the pleasure of being there i'd say i i'd say it's a halfway you're, miss, you're missing out man it's i know I, I i really i have heard good things i really have I, you know and uh, <laughs> the eyes I, I, the, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends hey, I, on if, I, I really, if you enjoy sunsets list, and flat and wind but, but yeah. no it's, it was a great place to grow up for those for the uninitiated amarillo is about halfway between albuquerque to the west and oklahoma city to the east so great location uh, right there in between those, and, those and and on your way to Colorado for skiing. That's yep, that's right. <laughs> now I got to ask you, man, and I think I know the answer to this, but you were the Amarillo Sandies, and I think I know what this is. But what is a Sandy? <laughs> well, the the official uh, name is the Golden Sandstorm. 
And uh, if you're familiar, which uh, then they just said Sandy's. But if you're familiar with um, uh, the panhandle, uh, actually Amarillo is the windiest city in the United States. Um, Wow. uh, You know, on the average daily wind miles per hour or whatever. But, um, you know, it's flat. Uh, You know, we joked that the only trees are telephone poles. uh, And, and, uh, (laughs) um, but no, it's, you can see for miles, there's, I think there's beauty in that, being able to see the horizon and as such, but the wind blows, which causes what they call dust storms. It looks like, you know, little mini yeah. uh, tornadoes, if you will. And, um, and so that's where the term uh, uh, came from. I think it's one of the better nicknames. I mean, that is just so appropriate for where you're at. I mean, I, I love it. I love the logo. I was looking at the logo, like a little yeah. tornado of eyeballs and stuff. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. just great. It is. It, it, when you're from up there, it definitely carries uh, a, a lot of weight. It's a, it's a, a symbol, very similar to kind of down here with everybody knows the Katie tiger kind of sure. emblem yeah. on the helmet yeah. and, and such. And uh, it definitely has a long history. I think there's four state championships back in the old days and, you know, the school, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, it's a very old school and just a rich tradition. Now, one of my good friends, you know, Derek Ruthart, the offensive coordinator at Clemens, his dad is from Ozona. And so that, that is the part of West Texas that I've been yes, in. But that, so, that's true. West Texas. Yeah. It, but yeah. it's so funny to me when people say West Texas, it can mean a lot of different things that, that are really far apart, whether you're talking El Paso, maybe you, guys in the panhandle don't like being called West Texas. I'm not really sure, but like, do you, I'm curious, do you consider yourself? Well, I tell West you Texas what, or? if you take, uh, you know, I don't know what the, the line would be, but uh, a lot of times anything West of Abilene starts to become, and, and, and you sure. know, all the way up to the North border of Oklahoma um, starts to become labeled as West Texas. Right, right. Definitely the panhandle is the panhandle. Yeah. Um, West Texas, in my mind, is Odessa, Midland, right? Yeah. You know that that area. Uh, I, I don't know what you call El Paso. Um, yeah, it, ironically, it is, the it is West, West Texas, point, but, but I don't know if, it, if when people say West Texas, if that's what they're referring to. You know, sure. It's, it's a perfect transition. You you brought up uh, Odessa, and you also talked about like some of the welcome to varsity wasn't just your teammates at Emerald <laughs> High School. It was playing the Odessa Permian Panthers, Mojo. Yeah. And then you brought up, and I, of course, I'm a huge consumer of both the book, the movie, the TV show. And I remember the, all the way to state in 88 saying that they all had going, you were there. So talk about Mojo. Talk about yeah, that rivalry. Man, uh, so 88, I was a sophomore, so I wasn't on varsity. And uh, we always played uh, Odessa Permian uh, the second game of the week in non-district. So we'd play Clovis, New Mexico, at least while I was there. And, um, and they, Clovis was like a state champion in Mexico. And, um, and then we'd play Odessa Permian and then, uh, we'd start, um, you know, district and I played, you know, uh, the Pampa Harvesters with Zach Thomas. Wow. Uh, he, he was a year younger, but, um, but anyway, going, going back to the mojo, I, I think as a sophomore, I was a little bit oblivious to it. I, I watched them. I went to the game when they played, um, in the playoffs, uh, against um emerald high and just you know that that was the team that we all saw you know and um on the on the movie you know uh decades later but then 89 uh came so if you remember in that movie in friday night lights they actually fell short i think a lot of people think that that dallas carter game was the state championship um but um 
the running back that replaced Booby Miles, Comer, um, Comer, Chris yeah, Comer, yeah. Chris Comer. Uh, that's that. That was. I got the pleasure, if you will, or or you've met or, Chris Comer in the hole a couple times yeah, on a sweep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably not willingly. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so we played him in 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 '89, my junior year, and '90 in my senior year. '89 uh, is the year they won the state championship, won the the national championship. Yeah, uh, ESPN national championship. Uh, Stony Case yeah, uh, was yeah. the quarterback. Uh, ended up playing against him. He was at New Mexico, so I played against him in college a couple games. Um, Lloyd Hill was the receiver yeah. played yep. against him in college when he was yep. at Texas Tech as well. Uh, they were just incredible. Uh, they had um, two twin brothers, uh, the Viegas brothers, I think is what their last name was, was um, just a, an incredible team. And then in my senior year, they graduated that old class. My senior year, we traveled down to Ratliff Stadium. And I'll tell you a quick story about that. But um, we ended up losing 10 to zero, but that was a, anyway, and we ended up going to the quarterfinals, ended up finishing in the top, you know, uh, five or six in the state that year, my senior year in 1990. But, um, but Odessa was ineligible for the playoffs because of the, yeah. the stuff that kind of got uncovered, you know, through, you know, yeah. of, of some of the UIL practices that they were infractions they were uh, doing. But anyway, they were extremely uh, still talented and for us to, to only lose 10 zero was, was, you know, a kind of a moral victory, if you will, to some degree. But what I do remember about Rattler stadium is it, at that time, it's not anymore. Uh, but at that time it was sunken uh-huh. about, I would say three feet. So you'd go off the track and actually have to kind of watch your cleats because it'd be yeah. kind of a, a concrete uh, going downhill. Um, it was the old AstroTurf, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not the field mm-hmm. turf. But like uh, most stadiums, you have a, a home side and a visitor side, and the the home side is is packed, uh, and the visitor side, you know, if if you're the visiting team and you bring um, 200 people, then at at the majority of stadiums, I've never been at a high school stadium that had done this. At at any stadium that I've ever been a part of with with high school, if you only had 200 fans on the side that uh, on the side of your stands that traveled, then the rest of them were just empty. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you brought a thousand, then that's, you know, yeah. that, many, that many more. Well, at Odessa during that time, at least they roped off. This is be like a college scenario where yeah. you have a visitor section that's roped off for the band and your parents. And then all around that is, oh my is, is still black and white. Uh, wow. And so it's both sides. And then you have your little section yeah. of, and yeah. we traveled well, the, the Sandys traveled well, but it was, you know the stadium. I think is is fifteen, eighteen thousand, something like that. Maybe even twenty thousand. Not for sure. But um, both sides were packed, and um, they had these uh, little white uh, cardboards with the the black paw print, which was yeah. their their logo and the little tongue depressor, you know, glued to it. Uh-huh. And it, it was it was like a seance. I mean, it's just mojo. <laughs> mojo right right <laughs> and very similar to i would say the florida state uh chant i guess but yeah, man yeah intimidating to say the least uh it always accounted at least for a touchdown you know i mean sure. you you kick the ball you kick the game off down seven zero whether the scoreboard said it or not just right. uh tremendous atmosphere um and, and and you know i'm i'm proud and you know i love to name drop you know when i yeah. that, hey i played against them yeah 
it, it was a it was a cool experience at the time i don't think i appreciate it like i do now iconic uniforms just that look is just i hope i hope that they never change it they have not oh I, yeah i think the head coach would get fired i think so, yeah but the quarterback i don't know if they still do it but back when we were playing it's in the movie as well the quarterback was a double digit number like a 20 right. yeah. 25 crossbar yep um it was not your your traditional um and and i tell you what we get the scouting report and, you know, the right guard would be like 5'10", 180, you yeah. know. I mean, just – they always had, a, you know, one or two good running backs or receiver or, you know, D-end or something. But they were a machine. No – zero penalties, just execution right. like a surgeon. I mean, just incredible. And so in the movie, you know, the, the historic rivalry, rivalry between Odessa Permian and Midland Lee was depicted. And I'm curious for you up in the panhandle, was it – who was your big rival? Was someone down in Lubbock, you know, was it – Cooper or something or what I'm curious what was how did that work uh, I'm not gonna throw shade on love it we 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 <laughs> kind of looked down your nose and love it a little many bit times like. for, for homecoming uh <laughs> so we we, <clears throat> we we did all right against against the love teams now our big rival and it is to this day at one point I don't know if you remember um growing up uh it might have been away by the time you because uh, you're a little younger than I am but uh there was a Saturday morning show called Scholastic Sports America okay. that ESPN uh, put on. And um, uh, always the, the main host for the college game day today um, with with Kirk Herbstreet. What's his counterpart? Reese Davis? Yes, Reese Davis. Okay. Uh, or no, before – actually, before Reese Davis. Um, Chris Fowler? Yes, Chris Fowler. Okay. It was, yep. it was called uh, High School Sports Scholastic America or something like yeah. that. And they would feature high schools. Anyway, we were in the top 10 for um, in Texas for this this rival. It's called Hell Week. It's between Tascosa, okay. the Tascosa yeah, Rebels, yeah. Uh, or as we called it back then, Trashcosa. Um, <laughs> but um, we uh, it was Hell Week. And, um, I mean, from egging, you know, we yeah. got eggs to pizza dough to, you know, uh, mm -hmm. marking up each other's school and mascots and making yeah. t-shirts you name it it was uh it was fun um to say the least and uh i think emerald high uh still holds quite quite a, a margin of victory although tascosa has has switched the tides here in the last uh right probably five years or so but for 20 years i think we were they might have beaten us twice you know yeah my sister went to tascosa and oh. um, and so i i like to remind her because you, you can Google it on Wikipedia and everything. I like to remind her the, the series, uh, you know, <laughs> between us. So that's awesome, man. And I've heard lots of fun stories like Cirillo Ojeda went to Pasadena and he he talked about when it's Rayburn week, they're burning, you know, the, the Rayburn mascot and effigy. And doing all, I mean, yeah. it's like those were the days. And even when absolutely. I know nowadays you, it seems like, you, you know, get in trouble if you did any of that. But sure. um, but yeah, back then it was innocent if you will but but fun and and, yeah. and intense too you know yeah. yeah well you know and your head coach was a legend you know in his own right larry dipple uh thsca hall of famer 30 years from 1975 to 2005 number 28 all-time winning as head coach with 253 victories and i always joke that i retired of two career victories so i can and I know how hard it was to get those two. And so, you know, 253 is just amazing at a 65% clip. So you're winning, you know, you're six and four, seven and three 
or and of course playoff wins and stuff. So and that, maybe, yeah, yeah, and that was back then. You know, yeah. uh, the, the only you know one or two teams made the playoffs. Like when I was in high school, and yeah. two made. Yeah, uh, I I don't. I'm assuming that was in the '70s as well. But um, yeah. yeah, just uh, I again, I probably didn't appreciate at the time. I mean, I revered him and respected him. But as I got older and got into the coaching press uh, profession, um, I, I'd look back and I'm like, holy crap, I, I, I played for a legend, you know, yeah. and just um, his staff all stayed together. You know, nobody really um, left and um, just just a tremendous honor. Kirk Eaton, the, the assistant AD over at Cy Fair ISD, yeah. played played for him as well. And okay. actually played with with Larry Dipple's son, Jason Dipple and. Um, he would echo the same thing. Uh, just tremendous, tremendous honor um, to play for him and and uh, what he accomplished. And uh, I still think back of the speeches and his, you know, I can hear his voice and but just a man of character and and uh, kids played hard for him, loved him. And and, uh, you know, I, I definitely uh, is part of who I am as a as a coach, for sure. I mean, you know, I remember being becoming a head coach at, at 30 years old at Aldine and you know, as a 30 year coaching career. So, I mean, he was probably something similar where he was a 30 year old when he first started. And a well, yeah, I, I, I forget when he's born, but yeah, that would yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. just, it's amazing as you, as you go through the stages of your life, he was still able to relate to the kids after 30 years of change. It's really impressive to me. It, it is. It is. I, I, you could probably, you know, I don't know how long, you know, Gary Joseph hadn't been at Katie 30 years, but, but he's been there a while, sure. you know, and, um, I, I think there becomes a a respect and, you know, uh, it, it is funny how you say that. Of course, we didn't have cell phones and all that stuff back then, but he, he was, for us, he was probably quirky, you know, like, oh, he's not, but, but we, I don't know, man, he just endeared himself to us so much. And of course, of assistance and stuff were just, you know, they felt like second fathers to you and, yeah. and, and the way they mentored you and stuff, but. Uh, I love what was cool for me is to go back, um, especially when I was playing and and learning the college, you know, system of defense. I'll never forget the Miami Hurricanes with Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. That was the the kind of um, in the early 90s uh, brought about the the quarters defense. Yeah. The yeah. Three quarters. Um, because back when I was in high school, it was cover two, like the old fact, yeah. you know, basically corners were. Um, were glorified outside linebackers, you know, right. and, probably had neck rolls and yeah. Rings. Oh yeah. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was part of it. You want to be, you want to go to walk out as big as you could, you know, <laughs> to win, to win pregame. But, um, yeah. but no, um, so I remember going back and, and getting on the board with him and as, as a college player telling him, you know, well, we read, you know, one to two and if two goes out and then, yeah. and he's got kind of a high pitched voice. She's like, well, what happens if they do this? This is, <laughs> And, and I remember, you know, as, as a college player at the time, I, I didn't, you know, didn't know what I didn't know. And, and uh, I was like, oh, they, they don't do that or they never do that. Or, you know, just I didn't have answers to it. But sure. like, I don't know about that, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but then just getting in the coaching profession, seeing him at coaching school, uh, attending his Hall of Fame induction in the THSCA um, and really, I guess, being able to kind of see what I I got to experience, you know, step back and appreciate what I grew up in and, and the man I played for was, was really an honor to kind of see that as I, as I got older. You know, one, one thing I'm interesting looking at his record, it also includes six ties. 
And I guess that's one thing that I'm kind of, me personally, I'm glad we've done away with that. I don't know if you feel the same Amen. way. Like, yes. that, that just seems odd to me. You know, I, I remember, um, I remember going uh, uh, for the playoffs. The, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but penetrations. Like I, I was not old enough to remember, but I've definitely heard my friends. Heard, yeah. So like it was every time you got inside the 20 or 25 or something like yeah. that, that's how ties on the scoreboard were broken as far right. as for seating, you know, right, it was right, still right. done as a tie, but you know, like, oh, we won on penetrations, you know, that's so like, that, that was a big deal. So, um, yeah, I'm glad, to, I'm glad to do what we do, um, with the overtime. It's, you know, I don't know if you've, you've ever been in part of a, an overtime, uh, game, but it's, man, you talk about ratcheting up the, the intensity, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, and, and this year I went in, you know, went into overtime with Tompkins and it was the first year that they enacted, uh, uh, or the first time I experienced it. I think the, the rules a year or two old, but we're after your, your second try. It's, it's, it's no, it's put the, put the ball on three yard line and you're going for two every time. It's, it's right. there's no more choice or anything. Do you, do you like that? I'm curious your thoughts. Cause I mean, this was obviously the, the, the famous LSU versus A&M game at Kyle field that went yeah, way went so into good. the night. That, right. That's why they enacted this rule. Absolutely. I, I'm on the other side of it just to put full disclosure. Like I liked our old overtime rules. I thought they were perfect. I think that the A&M LSU game is kind of an outlier. outlier. I'm watching I, I just, agree. When I watch this um, two-point conversion, I have two-point conversion. It doesn't feel like football anymore. <laughs> agreed. It's kind of who can come up with the best little trick play. Right, and, sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, that's a very valid point. And, I, you know, I would I, I would be wishy – I'm wishy-washy on it. I, I, would, I, would, yeah. I could easily stand in your, your camp for sure. Um, you know, I, 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 I like putting the ball down to 25. I see both sides of it, but you're yeah. in high school. I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard of a high school game going much more than four, you know, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what does come down and, and really too, then high school, um, I don't know how many guys are, are dropping out like they do in, in college as far as just the, the physical exertion, you know, I right. think high school guys think they're working hard sometimes. They don't, Yeah. they don't realize it, but, yeah, that was crazy for the AM one to was it eight overtimes or something like that. And uh, you start there was about, a Penn State game last year, I believe, that also went to like almost like maybe double digit on, on the conversions. On, and so oh, it's still, wow. yeah. it still can it still could potentially can be long, even if this yeah, no, you're right. It was Penn. Yeah, I remember that. You know. But uh anyway, so then you know, uh, I knew obviously your football was your main sport. I mean a track, as all of us know, is really an extension of football, you know, and getting good programs. And this one I, I, I found interesting. Now, I, I've always seen you wearing your Jackie Moon Halloween costume, so I knew you were a hooper in that regard, but you also played basketball for the Sandys. So yeah. hey, tell us a little you. bit about that. Were you a, what were you? Hey, we were, I, hey, I, was, uh, I was Little Dribbler's national champion. Uh, love it, the, uh, love it, love it. I was like in fourth grade <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the Trailways Express, uh, coached by Garrett Von Etzer. Um, No, I did. I grew up, my dad coached us. We played at AU. Um, I tell a story. I played a tournament in Lubbock. It was a national tournament and um, played a team out of Houston. Houston had three teams, the gold, the bronze, and the silver. So the gold was the A team. Yeah. And um, we were playing the bron or the gold team. And uh, I actually played in front of uh, Cheney from, from Temple. Wow. Um, yeah. Dean Smith, North Carolina. I mean, there's like five power five. or It wasn't called power five, but five, yeah. you know, blue bloods right, uh, right. watching. And um, 
it was a player from from the Houston Gold team that was playing like you know guard, shooting guard, a two guard, I think. Um, six four, six six. He ended up playing for I think North Carolina, one of the one of the ACC schools. <laughs> but um, I, the tallest guy on our team was maybe six two, and um, so that that is a great memory. Uh, we played our butts off and we're like little gnats just yeah, you know boxing right. out and, yeah. and stuff but yeah it looked like an nba team playing playing right. you know a high school team but uh but yeah no i played played au we, we would go from football to basketball to track and um and, and emerald high has a storied basketball history uh they had won state in uh i think 86 mm. and then you know just recently won state in the last i think five years you know they're always yeah. in contention but um there's good basketball up there. It's kind of the the Indiana Hoosier kind of right, yeah, uh, yeah. style of basketball, if you will, um, and and such. In fact, the when we won state in '86 was it was against Kimball, and then uh, who is you know a storied storied program, and and then uh, the last time we were at the state championship, we lost to uh, Kimball, and so it's yeah. the same same deal. So. Let's talk about, and, and you know, and obviously you're, you're a huge TCU fan and, and, and fans of the show know that I'm a big Michigan fan and boy, was it our sincere displeasure to have to run up against you guys. Cause you were just incredible, man. Just awesome victory, you know, really sent us home, you know, with our <laughs> tail between our legs, but we you know when the decision to go to TCU and, and I've seen you share, I've seen some articles shared. I don't know if you shared it or someone shared it on social media, kind of chronicling your story and your rise in the TCU football program. So it's really, a, it's really a awesome, fascinating one. So can you <laughs> talk about the whole process on how you obviously you don't like Lubbock too much. So I think that's why you didn't go to Texas tech, but you know, <laughs> how did you choose TCU and, and just kind of tell us about that, that journey to, to fight your way to the top of that depth chart. Um, I don't know if this, it, it makes for a good story. I don't know if the, at the time, if I would, I would recommend doing it this way, but um, I, <clears throat> you know, up in the, there's no internet back then obviously and and so uh recruiting you know guys did not come through Amarillo very much mm -hmm. and and so uh we ended up losing the quarterfinals to Arlington Sam Houston who had Mike Adams and um I mean several D1 players Micaiah Martin and who was a safety for him and and ended up signing with TCU and so I remember losing in the old Texas uh stadium Cowboys mm -hmm. Stadium the original and I saw that uh, two players from that team were uh, Brian Robertson and Makai Martin were had signed with TCU mm -hmm. uh, or committed to him and signed. And uh, I kind of took it as a chip on my shoulder. I was like, I'm just as good as them, you know? Right. And, yeah. and um, I, I took the Dave Campbell's magazine. I, I didn't even know where TCU was. I had no, I, did, I mean, I knew A&M and, and Texas and right. Lubbock. Yeah. Um, I kind of grew up an AM fan. I had a buddy that his dad played for AM and one of our family friends was a All-America for AM. So I always kind of had a, a love for them growing up. And obviously they were winning, you know, yeah. during that time, yeah. the wrecking crew. But uh, mm -hmm. I took a Dave Campbell's and I looked who who signed with who and um uh, applied to all the schools in Texas in Texas except Rice because I wasn't smart enough to, to go there. <laughs> but um you know, at AM, I think they signed four or five DBs. Texas was the same way. Texas Tech, same thing. It just was happened to be that year. Um, I think Houston signed just a couple, but to me, Houston might as well have been on the equator. I mean, it, it yeah, just being sure. from Amarillo, it just seemed yeah. so far. I, I laugh at it now, but um, 
but so TCU and, 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 you know, it signed two guys, Makai Martin and, and, and Manville hopes and uh, a corner out of uh, a, a Bay city. And, and, and then the safety out onto nice. Sam Houston. And then I looked at their depth chart and was like, okay, this guy's a, a sophomore, or this guy's a junior by the time, you know, it's going to take me a year or two. I mean, I, I had this kind of scientific, you know, yeah, approach yeah. to it. It's like, okay, it's going to take me three or four years to play. These guys will be graduating. I'll be a senior, blah, blah, blah. So that's how I chose TCU. I said, Mom, I want to go to TCU. So we walked into Larry Dipple's office and said, I want to I want to walk on at TCU. I got, I got accepted and called Tom Miller, their director of football, op, op, uh, op, uh, director of football operations. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he said, you know, back then he sent in your VHS tape and, sure. and yep. such. And, and uh, he said, come on. Well, there was no limit back then. So I think I walked on with, you know, like 20 guys in, in my class on top of the guys they signed. Yeah. Uh, there was no 105 limit. And um, I made the travel squad. The first time I stepped on campus of, of TC was for summer orientation. Like I, I'd never visited campus or anything. And uh, was one of three freshmen to make the travel squad. Um, as a true freshman, Jimmy Oliver and, and Barrett Robbins, and then myself. Yeah, Barrett, and, future NFL player, Barrett Robbins. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, both those guys were playing. I was a, I was the clipboard holder on uh, for the <laughs> sure. for the defense and sure. and on paper a, a you know a backup special teams guy. But um, that's what I did. And uh, my my true freshman year, obviously redshirted, and then my second year, my redshirt freshman year, I, I played special teams. And then a little bit of, of backup safety, you know, when we get ahead or whatever. And, um, and then my third year, my sophomore year, uh, started playing more rotation and on all special teams. And then uh, my junior year became a starter and my senior year uh, uh, captain. So it, uh, it, it ended up working out good and, you know, uh, just blessed, you know, for what TCU gave me and, and, uh, like I tell when people find out, oh, you play for TCU. Like, well, we weren't. It's not the TCU. That, uh, <laughs> I don't think I could play for him uh, uh, right now. It's a diff- different game. But um, you know, back then A and M was was really good. And uh, but but we we made a bowl game, uh, won the Southwest Conference uh, because A and M was was ineligible that year. <laughs> in um, but uh, we 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 uh, we don't we don't. I try not to mention that uh, too often. But. Um, but it was fun. Went to a bowl, bowl game. Should have went to a couple, a couple of bowl games. But back then, there just wasn't a lot of bowl games like there are now. But, um, but yeah, it was a great experience. Then I graduated and and uh, did one year of high school coaching in Fort Worth at Fort Worth Southwest. And okay. And then in '97, and then got uh, got on at uh, TCU as a GA in '98 and started yep. my college coaching career. And then that was kind of the resurgence of TCU, if you will. They were 0-10 in 97, and then Coach Fran came there in, in 98 and went to the Sun Bowl and played USC, and and uh, and that kind of was the springboard of, uh, you know, of TCU. And I think what T- where TCU is now, I think the the seed yeah. was that game for sure. And and LT, you know, and actually yeah. nobody knew about LT in 98. He, he didn't have his emergence till 99. Right. Uh, so, but great memories and just a, a great experience uh, for sure. You know, and um, I, you you had your coaching career. I didn't know about that stop in Fort Worth. That's that's pretty cool. But I mean, I know you also, along with TCU, you got to you got to coach at A and M as well, correct? Mm-hmm. And so you know, you've gotten to experience coaching at the collegiate level, and then you know, coming back down. Also, Rice University. I would be remiss to. I remember yeah. you before I even knew you. 
Yeah. My brother. Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama. You know, my my brother ended up becoming a a division two deep snapper at Central Oklahoma. You know, scholarship. I remember. Yeah, absolutely. As As a little middle school kid, he was a biggest Rice Owls fan. And we went to a, a like a camp, a football camp, and I remember you for whatever. I just it, vividly in my head, you were probably my voice. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But you were the special teams coordinator, I believe, at the time. Yeah, yeah. And and you know he was a deep snapper, and so I just kind of I remember that. But you know, it's a question. I'm not trying to get a, a soundbite out of you, or because I know this can be kind of a, a controversial topic nowadays. Mm-hmm. But for those of us that have never experienced being inside of the collegiate game, the changes with NIL, you know, the changes of the transfer portal. I think a lot of times high school fans and parents, they wonder, what does this mean for my high school kid? Does this mean that it's now harder for me to be recruited out of high school because now these people, these transfers are going in and out? And also the fear of like these kids that are transferring, yes, high profile ones like a Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, it's, they're good for them. But I, uh, other people raise concerns, but there's many transfers that maybe get left. Um, it's kind of like musical chairs. They're left without a seat when it's all said and done. So I, I know it's a controversial topic, so you don't have to go too into it, but I'm just curious. From for my listeners that are interested that have never been inside the college, can you give us any insight just on and you're now a head coach in the high school level? Just is it two two part? Or for, let's start with this: Is it more difficult now for high school kids to get football scholarships than it was before transfer portal? Not for the 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 no brainers, you know, sure. the ones that that <clears throat> four star, five 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 star, really. To be honest right. with you, right? I, I think that you know you're going to be the first rounders are first rounders, but uh, for that you know, middle, there's the top 20% or whatever top sure. 20%, but that middle group, absolutely. Um, I think a, kind of a perfect storm of COVID and the transfer portal has really that COVID uh, adding that, that extra year for those. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. really has killed the, the, the 20, you know, 21, 22, 23. I mean, we're probably until this COVID gets done. That uh, should be I, maybe this year, right. might be the last year. That yeah, those I thought 24, but I'm not, not for, yeah, cause it's a four sure. year deal. So sure. Um, you know, so it might be 24, 25. So there's a couple more right. years of that. You know, that's why you got teams that, you know, have players that are, you know, 25, 24 years old, you know, uh, that's Stetson Stetson Bennett, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's, there's value in that. That's why, yeah. uh, you see it in, in, in quote basketball and football, the, the older, more mature teams have been the more successful teams. Um, and, uh, there, there is a difference between a, a 24 and a 23 or a guy that's been playing five years or six years. You Coach, know? So, and I totally agree. And I think in the past, like talk about March madness, right? You're, you're, you're imagining maybe a team like a Princeton or these mid majors that have these lower talent guys, but have, there's five seniors out there and they know yeah. each other. And that's how they can knock off Kentucky's, you yep. know, they the, have the, all, they're all freshmen, but super freshmen. They're just not seasoned right. yet. But that's the difference now with the NIL is you're not just getting, you know, the, the, the Rick LaFavors, you know, the hard workers that made their way to the top of the depth chart to stay. You're getting the guys that could have left for the pros to stay. And so I right. think that could be the potential beauty of NII. Getting your good guys I, to come back, that's making college sports better, right? It's been, I, I agree. And I, and I think that's what we saw this year is guys staying right. and not declaring. You know, in the past, it was declared to go get the money. Right. And that is one of the, the great benefits that is, is starting to show itself, I really think, this year, to be honest with you, and that guys can stay and still get uh, a reasonable amount of money Absolutely. to try to make it bigger money for, for one more year. Last comment I want to make on NAL, just because I, I can't help but say this, but everybody lauded that Texas A&M recruiting class. Everybody was talking about AM, 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 and the season just did not live up to the hype, to be honest. And 
most of those players are now gone in the transfer mm-hmm. portal. And so again, I think that is the danger. And it's kind of that, that eye of the tiger, right? Like when you have nothing and you're hungry and like your dream is the pros, like you have that eye of the tiger to keep working, you know, but maybe if you're given this huge sums of money, you know, it's like, I imagine myself, I may, I may relax a little bit. And, you know, I just, that's the thing I, I worry about is keeping that eye of the tiger. I remember that. And speaking of the tigers, there was an LSU quarterback that just retired. Right. I think he took his yeah. NIL earnings and just said, Hey, I'm retired. I'm, I'm going to go, yeah. you know, and I respect his decision, you know, but uh, just extremely interesting. Last question I have for you. Now you have uh, you've coached many a player that have gone on to play in college and, um, you know, a John Paul Richardson comes to mind, who's one of the best high school receivers I've ever seen. Right. I've talked on this show many a times. His dad, Bucky, the AM legend, was just the best sports parent. He, he has so much knowledge and so much clout, but every time he's running our youth league out there in Siena, you know, for Ridgepoint, and it's always just, Coach, what can I do to help? And that's all that he was. He never questioned any play call or anything like that. He was just awesome. But, you know, John Paul Richardson had, has made the decision to enter the transfer portal, and he's gone to TCU. Now, I, I know some backstory on that, that TCU was always high on his list. So it's not something – and he loved right. o- Oklahoma State, wrote a really nice right. note to them as he's on the way. But he's someone that I think is really going to transition well. But, you know, I'm curious, in general, with so many kids entering the transfer portal, wh- how do you – what advice do you – maybe you gave John Paul some advice or other athletes when they're considering making a move – Maybe it's kind of like you said, the, top, the kids that are very good, they can transfer wherever they want to. But for those kids in the middles, what do you tell them? Do you, do you tell them it's risky to transfer? I'm just curious because it feels like sometimes I've, I've heard that kids are getting left out at the end. It, of the it is. Um, I, I think you need to use the high school coach um, to make sure you have somewhat of a plan while, you know, when you're in the portal. I would not. I would advise kids not to just jump in it blindly. You need sure. to know, you know, um, hey, coach, I'm looking to <clears throat> to transfer. And then that that high school coach can can communicate that and put some feelers out as well to see the market value, not not dollar wise, but just see yeah. you know uh, that that interest. But um, you know, it's a fine line. Uh, I think you need to transfer for the right reasons, uh, just like any job in corporate, you know, in the real world, you know, things aren't the way they, that you envisioned them, or maybe they change, you know, et cetera. And so you should have an opportunity to, um, to, to make a change, if you will, or change your circumstances. I just, I, I wish, um, I think sometimes the age group, doesn't it, different than a, a 30 or 40 year old making a job change, you know, or a career change, or whatever the wisdom that comes with life experiences, I think for a, a 19, 20, 21 year old, that the first moment I'm not playing or the first moment that something's uncomfortable, they, they want to jump in the pool. I'm out of here, sure. you know, and that's the, that's the hard part that I think, um, is the danger you know the of it that's the bad part of the poll sure. um, again just, the perfect example of a john paul richardson he immediately played as a freshman at oklahoma state so he he wasn't his decision was not related to playing time or anything like that i mean he's gonna play right. wherever he goes but yeah I, I understand what you're saying for a lot of athletes probably the number one reason for entering the portal is playing time or yeah. lack thereof you know and, and it's just a fine line because you know i bet if and i wish there'd be a huge study but you know of kind of finding out you know, you weren't playing at XYZ school, so you transfer. 
are you playing there? You know, I want to know like who, exactly. who improved their situation, like IE, you know, obviously Baker Mayfield, et cetera. But for every Baker Mayfield, there's probably, you know, another sure. 10 or so that their circumstance didn't change. They're still third on the depth chart or what, whatever it is. And, and, you know, it, it, changing that part is not what the issue was. It might've been one, you're not good enough or two, you need to look in the mirror and, and work at, you know, something's missing. Yeah. And I, I think because the portal's so easy, there's not enough internal self-evaluation sometimes. Um, the quarterback position is incredible with the transfer portal. I mean, it is really the, the tough thing about the quarterback. That's the one, you know, with the receiver, you know, four guys can play sometimes right. five, you know, an MP yeah. and, you know, you can, you can rotate and be in packages and stuff. And, and, but the quarterback, there's only one, right. You know, right. and um, that's the, the one position that, that it is tough that if, if they got their guy barring injury, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you might now, that's why I appreciate the, the, the Matt Dugan, uh, Duggan, um, yeah, yeah. story, you know, it just, he kind of went against the grain on that and, and, and it ended up working, you know, for him. And, so. and I guess the thing I don't fully, I guess, you know, sometimes you see quarterbacks, uh, like what's his name like that? Uh, is it the Nebraska quarterback, you know, Martin, I mean, he, he was the starter. And it's like, if you came back another year, you'd be the starter again. But a lot of times these guys, it's not even that they're not playing. They're the starters, but then they go to another program. And I guess it's maybe just trying to jump oh, up their competition. Stock. Yeah, they feel yeah, like, right. oh, sure, you know, my sure. stats, you know, we we didn't throw it enough or you know, right. whatever. Um, and so they start stat chasing and and such. I, I tell Ken, this is the high school level. It doesn't matter whether you're a college recruiting a high school kid or a pro uh you know, uh, evaluating a college, I, I, I think stats are fun and, and things like that, but you don't get drafted number one by your stats and you don't get signed out of high school because your stats coaches evaluate skill sets. And, and um, there's, there's lots of running backs that have 3000, 4,000 yards rushing across America that don't, don't play, you know, and there's lots of college running backs. And I'm just using running back as an example, but that, had great stats and they weren't, you know, first day draft board guys. So, um, you know, that, I think you just, the skills, the main thing. And if you got the skill that, that whether you threw for, you know, 2000 yards or 4,000 yards at Nebraska, that I think they're going to, they're going to come yeah. They're going to work you out and go, this guy can spin it. You know, he just was in a, put him in my system and he'll be all right. That's the, the ego of, of coaches. So they're I just going to look at skill sets. As a Michigan fan, that's why I feel really happy that, you know, we got J.J. McCarthy back because it's like so many teams in the Big Ten are welcoming new quarterbacks that have come from other places. I'm like, how do you have the consistency? But anyhow, that's a whole other topic now. But, let's, you know, you, you lived in Siena while you're coaching at Rice. And then so that, that led to a unique opportunity to come to Ridgepoint High School. And I guess, was that something you'd always had? I'm, I'm curious, like, was that was it kind of your target as you transitioned out of college to high school? Or how, how did how did you end up at Ridgepoint High School? It was a God thing. Um, you know, I, I uh, when I got out of college, I had a biology teaching degree and actually uh, tried to get on with, you know, because I was familiar with with uh, Ridgepoint um, and Coach Sniffen and, and the staff. And uh, I got out in 2012. And I think Ridgepoint was two years old at that time. Yeah. But in order for me, I at, I was just biology. I was not composite science. And so I put my feelers out and said uh, locally and, and 
Coach Sniffen and, and uh, Tammy Williams, if, you know, uh, uh, the principal at the time, um, said that uh, I was going to have to take the composite test. I'm like, oh, geez. So <laughs> I started studying, you know, for chemistry and physics and, and all that stuff. And I remember thinking, um, you know, I could pass this test just because maybe I cram, but I was like, there's no way I can teach a chemistry class. That, that'd be right. doing the, the kids a disservice. But um, nonetheless, I was, you know, going to take the test online and I think I was going to have to pay like 90 bucks or hundred bucks where it was. And mm -hmm. so as in the middle of me studying for it, cause that was, you know, I was like, Hey, it's right here. I'll, I'll go coach, uh, you know, whatever coach Sniffin wanted me to coach. And, um, and then Lamar consolidated, uh, Craig Niver, uh, called me. He's a guy that, uh, he's at coastal Carolina now, but he's a guy that I, you know, known since 98 and have worked with, you know, five, six, seven years. And he had recruited this area. Uh, I always had the Dallas areas. And so he said, Hey, uh, Lamar, uh, consolidated with Ronald Patton has a, has a defense coordinator in biology position. And they don't care that you're just biology, you know, they'll take you. And so yeah. I, I was like, I called, uh, you know, and got the confirmation from coach Patton and, and, uh, that I didn't have to take the test. So I could just coach biology and I mean, yeah. uh, teach biology and, and be the defense coordinator. So I was like, sold, you know, sure. so. Yeah. I called, I called coach sniffing back, just said, Hey, you know, this is, uh, what happened, et cetera. And so, uh, he understood and, and we moved on. That was 2012. So I was at Lamar con for two years. It was about a 45 minute commute, you know, and, uh, it just got, got to be long. And, and, yeah. um, and so, uh, he had a linebacker position come open, uh, in yeah. 2014 and, and, um, you know, I live, about three minutes from the campus. And so, uh, was able to, you know, blessed to come and, and, and teach and coach here. Uh, and, and I tell you what I tell people all the time, it was probably the most stress-free year of my entire coaching career. Yeah. And I didn't know that at the time until I reflect back on it. And here's why since 1998, I've always, been over something or had to answer, you know, right. uh, you know, to, to, you know, as a GA, you're, you're, you're answering to Gary Patterson, you're answering to Dennis yeah. Franchione, yeah. you're, you know, you had that one coach in the staff that's just, you know, make, go get my coffee, go make, you know, just, <laughs> right, right, just right. always at someone's beck and call. And then when I got into, uh, at a and I was a head strength and conditioning coach. So I'm, I'm in charge of, of, of a lot. And, and so the stress of that, and then, from then on, it was special teams coordinator, recruiting coordinator, you know, so I was always yep. in yep. that type of role. Went into high school, defensive coordinator. So I come over here to Ridgepoint and I coach linebackers and that's it. Yeah. I didn't do, I didn't do anything special teams. I didn't have to make one call. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. had a defense coordinator that made all the calls named, right. named, named James Kovaleski. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and all I had to worry about was my six linebackers. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, uh, if we didn't, if we didn't make a third down convert, you know, stop or whatever, like the stress that comes with being the coordinator was yeah. not on me. You know sure. what I'm saying? That's, it was actually a great lesson because there's a difference between being an assistant, being a coordinator and being a head coach, you know, and, yeah. and the stress levels get ratcheted yeah. up because your name is on a lot more. And, uh, but anyway, I just remember having so much fun. We had such, you know, working with you and, yeah. and, um, it was a great eye opener for me too. I don't know if I ever told you this, but you know, I grew up from playing and all the way through coaching college, four down. 
Right, know? right, right, uh, right. Whether it be if, uh, you know, I played under 4-3 and then uh, Gary Patterson 4-2-5 and then Carl Torbush was was multiple, but it was based out of a 4-3 and, 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 but we had a little bit of odd stuff. But coming here with you and we were yeah. at the, uh, the, the 3-4, it was it was it was an eye opener for me, and I remember thinking as I reflect back, you know, I was a I was a, a heat guy, you know, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, like yeah. Hey, let's blitz eight, you know, <laughs> and, right? And, yeah, I remember <laughs> being in meetings, and you guys would ask like, well, what, you know, how would you handle this? What would you? I was like, do you know my answer? I'm let's let's, let's send it, you know. Hey, the pressure and, the pressure writes all all the wrongs sometimes. That's yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> and that was coming from Lamar Khan, where we had to, you know, uh, we we didn't have the same talent so yeah you're trying to create havoc and stuff but i was just kind of that that mentality and and um and i'm being in you know coach sniffing was not uh i mean i think blitzing to him was bringing four you know we were three four and if we brought the the mic that was pressure and if we want to get really crazy we're going to bring five you know and so (laughs) um and i i don't remember you can correct me if i'm wrong but i don't remember ever playing zero or man it was you know pretty much quarters and, time, yeah that, that yeah. was kind of like uh you know we're rolling the dice right now it's not like <laughs> yeah. it's not yeah. something you're gonna see multiple plays in a row so, anyway i i remember there was you know moments in a game and, and just like even as a head coach you know i don't call any plays but there's moments where um in my mind i'm thinking hey if, if i was on defense i would call this i would bring this pressure yeah. that play this coverage or <laughs> right. if i was on offense yeah. But I'm, I don't get on the headset and go, oh, you know, what are we doing? You yeah. should have, you know. Sure. So I remember as a, as a, as a, just a linebacker coach, there were times where, like, uh, you know, you would make a call and, and, um, and it's something we agreed upon, you know, yeah. uh, as, as game planning, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, but I remember in my own mind, like, well, if I was Steve's corner, I might've, I might've brought a corner blitz, you know, or d- yeah. done yeah. something. And, and, but it works yeah. by, you know, with your call. And so it was a really um, a good experience for me to know and live that there's other ways to skin a cat and, sure. and the die by the sword, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword is not always the right way either, you know? And yeah. so um, it just, I think it was a great building block for me and, and preparation to where I am now, not ever knowing down the road. And so um I was here years, you know, and then and then Lamar Khan, Coach Patton. Well, Coach, let, let me let me tell. I want to say one thing from that Ridgepoint experience, man, and for, okay. for coaches listening. And um, you know, to me, like I really love the way that, that you approached it. So, like for instance, you know, someone coming in of your level, your resume was really, I mean, far superior to my resume. You know, and I'm the defensive coordinator. You're 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 you know, you're just a coach on the staff, and so there's the potential for okay, this guy who has defensive coordinator experience, collegiate coaching experience, at big time Power Five you know, colleges, maybe he's going to come in and just try to cram his way down and be a know-it-all. And it could not have been further from the truth, man. You were a true pleasure to work with a true professional, a true team player. I mean, I kind of, I kind of think that story you told you showing coach Dipple, what you ran in college, that was kind of you talking to me. <laughs> you're showing me. <laughs> I had a flashback of that, but you're showing, we even went to that little, that little dive bar off of five. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Whatever, lose yeah. Back we went and had a couple beers and talked some football. And that, was a, that, was a, yeah. that was a great night, man. You know, and I really enjoyed working with you. And I, I would say for any coach listening, man, just there's that saying of just like, you know, be where your feet are at, you know, like, don't think about your next job or your next promotion. Just you were that, 
you were happy being the outside linebackers coach at Ridgepoint, even despite all the things you've done in your career. And that was really refreshing. And I think stuff like that is what leads to a magical season. You know, having guys like yourself and you, you made things that changed our defense. For instance, uh, like on the backside of that. trips, the outside backer became a, a defense end basis. So we got a four man look in trips, right? Yeah. And it was always a, a rusher. The, yeah. the will. I loved the thing you had about the will manning up the back and kind of doing that slow, like contained yeah. rush. I, I love those two things. I mean, those are two things that you brought to the table that strengthened us as a defense and led to that great season. So and we had a great, I, I mean, just wanted to point a, that out. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, we had a great staff. I mean, um, uh, off, off that staff, you know, three future head coaches, myself, yeah. you, Bobby Darnell, or four, I'm sorry, Jimmy yeah. and Jimmy Hammond. Jimmy Hammond. Yep. Um, but defensively, it's me, you, Jimmy Hammond, and and Phil Dober. Yeah. Um, that uh, you know, <clears throat> Phil's the defensive coordinator over at uh, Seven Lakes and, and does a great job. Obviously, um, uh, Hammond is is the head coach, and yeah, uh, we just it was a great chemistry. We're all on the same page, and I think that um, I think I would tell any young head coach or any coaches that is as critical as anything is, is the, the chemistry of yeah. the staff, because yeah. if you don't have that, it's going to bleed out into the players and, and, you know, really doesn't matter how talented you are and they might overcome coaching or like they're up to a certain point. But when you, when you get to a certain level, it's, it's going to bite you in the butt, but we, we had a great staff and, and great kids, man. That was, a, that yeah, was arguably one of the best, you know, yeah. teams uh, that were in Ridgepoint history. And, uh, I remember, uh, if you remember, we lost by a walk-off field goal. And I'm, yes. I'm like, oh, you know, the kid kid didn't make anything in pregame. And then right. uh, I remember thinking, oh, he won't make this. And sure right. enough. You know, <laughs> Me too. But uh, <laughs> I really think that was a year we had a chance to to to, to make it. But, um, so yeah. but what a great, what, just great bunch of kids still stay in contact. Because I'm sure you do too yep. with, with a lot of those kids. But so going back, I just, then I went to Lamar as a head coach. and um, uh, that after that one year was there five years and um my son austin uh was he had a chance to come over with me but when i took over yeah. the job they were 0 10 before yeah we, we went two and eight the first year two and six the second year which was a hurricane year and um and then uh and then 0 and 10 uh yeah uh and so can I, can I dig into that coach? Because you yeah. and I, we started our coaching careers about the same time, you know, yeah. when you, yeah. you went to Lamar, I went to Aldine. So my coaching record and, and you talk about like, you know, the stress of not having the leadership position, you know, people always ask me, Kobo, do you ever want to coach again? Like I know, uh, Charles West, the assistant AD at spring branch, he used to be the head coach at Humble and a good friend yeah. of mine. Yeah. I always guy. say, Kobo, man, you get, you ever going to come back? And I always say, Charles, I got a two and 18 career record. Who the hell would want me? <laughs> you know? So we have a good laugh about it, but I always say if I came back, I'd be just like what you were doing for Ridgepoint. Just give me linebackers or some position and I, yeah. I'll be your best assistant, you know, coach, but yeah. those head coaching days are done for me. But you know, we were there around the same time I started two and eight and then zero and 10. And then my career was over. Mm -hmm. the interesting thing about you. And I, I really like talking is what I've found from being one of those two and eight, no and 10 coaches I met other coaches and I networked with other coaches like Dave Handel. He's now the head coach at Tomball, had a great season past two years. He was head coach at Galena Park, struggling like I was. And I networked with guys like that and David Wilkinson, who was out of Baytown Lee and other guys like that. And I've, you know, Cirilla Ojeda now yeah. at Aldine. There's just, there are so many good coaches at places that go 0 and 10 and 1 and yeah. 9 and 2 and 8. Yeah. And younger in my coaching career, 
I didn't understand that. I got to be honest. I kind of looked down my nose a little bit when I'd see those records and wonder what's going on over there. How yeah, could it be yeah. so bad? And anyway, I've, I've learned a lot since then. I've matured a lot since then. Yeah. Your story is unique though, to go, you know, you, you had the ascent, you took over in 0 and 10, but then you see progress. Okay. Two wins and two wins, but then to go back to 0 and 10 and then he turned it around again. So I guess just your intestinal fortitude to stay strong through that, that's something I, I was not able to continue my leadership ability as things started getting worse. Like I feel like I didn't do a good enough job leading the whole athletic program. You yeah. did it. That's not easy to do. Again, most careers will end. Once you go, once you go 0 and 10, 2 and 8, 2 and 8, back to 0 and 10, a lot of times it's over. How did you change it again? That's what I want to know. I think a lot of coaches listening are in those kinds of situations. How did you change it? Um. We had the core staff. I mean, our staff was, yeah. you know, guys that um, a defense coordinator played with um, and uh, just the coaches, a lot of the same staff that I was with when I was defense coordinator, like in 2012 and 13 were there, you know, yeah. still yeah. Um, the kids had great work ethic. They just, um, you know, just like winning is contagious. So is losing. And um I, I felt like uh, it was always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop mentality. Like, mm -hmm. oh, here we go again. We just fumbled or, oh, we got a penalty. Right, and right. it was kind of a, you know, and it's still the first series of the game. But, I mean, it was, mm, you know, yeah. uh, we're going to get killed now. That was the most challenging part. To, and that's where the kind of the TPW uh, brand yeah, came yep. about. Uh, tough people win. And, um, and it just – I tell you what, don't get me wrong. I was heading into, uh, I think it was year three, two or three. I can't remember, but I went over and visited Willowridge mm -hmm. and um, uh, Laz uh, was, yep. the, was the head coach yep. and they had made the playoffs, very similar uh, situation, players and things like that. And, 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 and uh, similar school makeup and, and such. And I was like, well, he's, you know, he's going to the playoffs yeah, and, yeah. and they started off, you know, a couple of years ago. And I remember, and so I remember going and watching a practice uh, with of them during the first round or whatever, and then picking his brain. And I was just like, because I, I'm, I'll be honest, in the third year, I was like, I don't even, I don't even know if I, do I even know football? Like, like sure. do yeah. I need to go to yeah. insurance? Because yeah. you just start questioning everything you know, about yourself. I've been and there. I, just, Absolutely. I, I, I was down and, and doubting and things like that. And, and I remember he said, he, he told me, he's like, I, I felt the same way, you know, it was after year two, I think. And he said year four and they, they made the playoffs. Yeah. And it was kind of the, you know, if you've ever seen the cartoon of the guy, you know, uh, digging, you know, for diamonds uh, -huh. uh and, and one is, is there and the other one walks away, but he's just, you know, yeah. inches yeah. from, from breaking through. And, and so I kind of just took that to heart that year four was coming up and just, we, you could, we were getting victories. It just wasn't yeah. on the, you know, our grades, we went from, you know, having X amount of number of failures to, to none. Right. To, right. Uh, to, you know, the year before Brad's would beat us, you know, 77 to nothing or something like that to, to then it was 50 to 14 mm. and, you know, 35 mm -hmm. to 21 and, 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 and such. And so that was, I guess, the hope, you know, yeah. and then the, the building and the campus environment, all that stuff, and you kind of getting positive feedback, you know, of 
you're doing good, you know, and just yeah. so I kind of hung on with our staff and our players. Like it's it's coming. I know it's not on the scoreboard or the record right. book, but it's coming. And we just kind of held on to that, and 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 then it it happened, you know. Yeah. And then once once we had a little bit of a victory, that was the thing. As our kids, uh, I think we and and then in the non conference, I got Rich Point off this. You know, the year I went on ten is because uh, uh, Rich Point. Uh, broke my quarterback's uh, ankle and we didn't have a backup after that. Right. like a, a tight end a quarterback after that right. but, um but no we we started winning we went five and oh and you would think that we would have we could have beat the dallas cowboys i mean yeah. our yeah. kids were so fired up and and uh and they just they needed that hunger or they, they needed that um uh, i guess validation and and so that's what springboard us to the first round of playoffs our first year in playoffs in over a decade and then we went uh, you know, back to back. And then I came to, you know, my wife wanted Austin, my oldest son to play for me. In fact, we were going to move to Lamar. Uh, and, um, uh, once Austin graduated, we were going to move our family over to Lamar because I wanted to be in the community. Right. I felt like I could make a, a, a better impact there. And, um, and just kind of came to the conclusion and peace that Sniffin's going to be, you know, he had his son that was also, yeah. uh, about to be a senior and, and, um, you know, Austin and them were having, and, and coach Sniff and this team was doing great things and, yeah. and, uh, winning and, and we had our thing kind of going on. And, and so I was at peace, you know, I think yeah. mama yeah. was probably secretly praying somehow, some way, cause she really wanted me to, to be able to coach Austin. And I'll never forget. I was in Ricky Tulsa's office at Pearland after a, a, a power of influence regional meeting. And, uh, we're just sitting there talking and it was in, in early February and, and, uh, his defense coordinator pops his head in the office is like, did you hear about Rich Point? And the way he said it, you know, unfortunately, it's sad to say, um, especially with the tragic, tragic events of yesterday, but um, my first initial reaction was something not good, you know. Sure, sure, uh, sure. When I was like, you know, pop my head around, I was like, no, what's well, my son goes there, what's going on? And he said, uh, Coach Sniffin just announced he's he's leaving. Yeah. And I looked at Ricky Tulsa, I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, um, and then by the time, you know, I got in the truck, probably within 10 minutes, you know, my phone was, was ringing uh, with some people in the community and, yeah. um, and such. And so that's kind of how it all went down. Um, and I, I uh, again, never, never thought I would, I would be here, but um, I, I got to coach Austin his senior year, you know, and, yeah. and, and, uh, um, and be close to home and, and, and such. And so, um, uh, and continue what coach Sniffen and, and, and yourself and the, and the, and the guys that are on the staff before did. And, um, can I speak just, to that coach? Can I speak to that just as a, you know, mm -hmm. someone that I was a kind of a big part and I'm really honored to say that I've been a defensive coordinator at Ridgepoint. Cause there's a long line of great defensive coordinators that have, that have followed. I was the first, believe it or not. Absolutely. And I'm just so proud of that program and everything that, you know, and the thing I really love about you is sometimes when new coaches come in, there's so much emphasis on changing the culture and I think that even in Ridge, Ridge Point's a winning place, so maybe less of that. But, you know, obviously, like, you know, there's just so much talk of change the culture, change the culture. And sometimes it can almost be – got to remember that these kids that you're inheriting, they had old coaches that they loved. Yeah. And so sometimes – and I, I've, as I've gotten older, because I think I did that at Aldean. I came in there just like, change the culture, change the culture. And I, looking back, if I could redo it, I would also build them up on what they'd done in the past. Right. You know? And I love how you always you, – you make a point – 
to emphasize that we walk on the shoulders of giants. I love that you do that, man. I, I love that you make a point to do that. And obviously Ridge Point's a very successful place. So it totally makes sense, but I feel like you would do that a version of that wherever you went to. And can you just speak about that? Um, Cause I, it really, it resonates for me as a former coach at Ridge Point. It, it means a lot, you know? And so yeah. can you talk about just how you kind of came to that conclusion to come up with that phrase and to really push that? Uh, I, I don't, I've probably heard the phrase somewhere. I don't, I don't know, but, yeah. um, I think so many times you forget, especially in a story program, what's, what's neat about Ridge Point is it's a story program, but it's only 12 Not years old, old, you know? <laughs> right. And so I, I wanted the kids to understand that, you know, we talk about stacking bricks and building a foundation and such that like. You being in, you being here in class of 2021 and 22 and 23 and such, like, Ridge Point didn't just start winning because you're here, you, you know, right? Like, yeah. that's, it's been going on long before you were here, long before yeah. I got here. <clears throat> and so we're just continuing that. And, um, and so I just, I, I, I think it's important to, um, to, to emphasize and honor that. I think there's, I, I want kids, especially in this NIL area, if right. you will, in this, you know, Instagram uh, era, but um, to understand that you're, you're playing. One of our, our core values is, is a uh, band of brothers. Yeah. And it's playing for the, the past, present and future Panthers. So having that, that, uh, you know, knowing where you are in that, that long legacy <clears throat> and uh I think being at a place like Alabama and, 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 and A&M, those, you know, Michigan, those places yeah. that have those story programs uh, and long histories, understanding the importance and value of that and where you fit in that is a great honor. And so I want our kids to, even though it's a short 12 years um, and it's not just football, it's in, in, in all sports. Um, I told the soccer girls the other day, I got Coach Torres uh, let me speak to them before they played uh, Cinco Ranch. And I, I said that same deal. It's like, you know, the standard is not just one in district. The standard is is to um, to win state and get to state. And I said, not all programs can say that, you know. And and I said, you walk, understand, you walk on the shoulders of giants. There are a lot of elite soccer players that have come through here. And so honor them with your play. And, and so that's what we talked to our players about of – of not letting, letting down what, you know, yeah. you're playing more than just yourself and more for than just this team. Like we, we, you know, the, the coming up, it's team 12. We just finished yeah. team 11. That's I a, like a, that. I, I like that you do that too. There's, there's yeah. so many little uh, things I've noticed about you. That I like, and I mean, um, <laughs> I noticed the way that, that you answered my always before the show, I send questions. So I, I know a little more. You, you sent me back an email. It was perfectly formatted. The questions were underlined and then the bullets. I mean, it was so organized. <laughs> And then I think to the way that you do your <clears throat> roster, I love you're the only person in the greater Houston area. And I do broadcasting. So I get, I get a lot of rosters sent to me. You're the first one I've ever seen that puts the, the like letter, like number of letters that a player has earned or what, what their experience is. So, you know, if a guy like myself, like I made varsity as junior, it would say James Kovaleski junior. And then experience would say JV. And mm -hmm. I just, I love that, man. I, that level of detail and little things like that, I think are really cool. Is that the kind of the collegiate, background or are you is you're just wired that way or how did you think to make your roster like that <laughs> uh it probably is a collegiate uh yeah. uh just subconsciously um sure. because that was a thing in the media guides and, yeah of course and yep. such um and so just 
probably being around that for 14 years. Um, Coach, I've I've had some games before where coaches have sent me rosters, just had names on them. That has happened to me one time. I won't (laughs) say what school. It wasn't football. It was a different sport, but it just had names. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? So to have a roster like that versus yours, which gives a broadcaster so much information so I can quickly say, oh, this person's a three-year letterman. You know, it's like great stuff. Kudos to you. I don't know if I sent you. I'm pretty sure I have. I try to send it to all the media that request stuff. Uh, the explosive chart and and because they'll ask for stats and that's easy. Yeah. But I'll do a. Um, I'll try to give some background. Um, hey, the last time we played this team, you know, yeah. uh, this happened or whatever. And right now we're averaging, you know, so many turnovers per game or takeaways, etc. So, but no. Um, yeah, it's probably coming from the, the, the collegiate background and, and, and such. And now as far as Ridgepoint, you know, you've had some great seasons. I got to watch your game against Atascacito in, in the regional semifinals, and that was a game where you had them on the ropes. Sophomore quarterback comes in. I don't know when, when he started playing, but he was just – he was cooking that night. A big lightning delay, to, in my opinion, kind of really took the wind out of your sails. It felt like you were have, making a run, and then there's this long lightning delay – um so you know we don't need to dig too much into that game but obviously you've continued the successes that we've had you know going to the third round which Ridgepoint has done and beyond you know so I'm just the, the question I'm going to ask you and I don't not to put you on the spot I know this is probably I know there's some debate over how how the these boundaries are going to be formed but you know a new school is opening and I'm someone who, I'm from Fort Bend and I've seen it every time that a new school opens it does disrupt the chemistry and a lot of times these new schools do come onto the scene like gangbusters you know, I've seen of Hightower, I've seen of Marshall, I've seen of Ridgepoint. <laughs> and so I'm just questioning the dynamic with Crawford High School. And I, I don't know much about it, but is it is it going to change the dynamic of like Ridgepoint's attendance zone or is it something completely drawing from other parts of the district? Uh, mainly drawing from from other parts of the district okay. outside of Siena. Um, I've gotten that question a lot. You know, hey, how's sure. it going? You know, is it going to be the Peto? Is it going to be the, the, the Fulcher, the George Ranch when it opened, sure. the Ridge Point when it opened? Yeah. Um, I truly think that Ridge Point is in one of the most unique situations. Um, and I, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I, I, I think it's arguably the best situation when you combined, when you combine kind of the three things that people look at when they're wanting to raise a family. And that's, I think it has uh, elite academics. You know, our our school is is rated A, and uh, with excellent teachers and and high achieving students, we have excellent athletics across the board. We're always you know uh, in the top twenty five for the Lone Star Cup, and and um, you know all all sports are very competitive and play at a high level. And then third, an excellent community. And it really is a community school. Yeah. I think a lot of times high schools get built and you got this neighborhood and this neighborhood, sure. and this neighborhood are all coming to this high school and right, wrong, or indifferent, the way Sienna was set up and, and, and the way Ridgepoint was built in the heart of it, it is, it has very much, and you very much, oh, yeah. it, it's obviously gotten bigger, but yeah, definitely back when the, the early part of 2014 and, and, and before a, a one, like if you closed your eyes, you would think that you were in the middle of, uh, uh Siena, Texas, you know, it's yeah. a little town yes. and, and, um, and it's a one horse town, if you will, the, you know, the parades, the, the, the community, the elementary schools, the middle schools feeding, it just was all right here. And 
the little leagues and, and such. And so that to me is, is the secret sauce. And um, because Sienna is, is um, offers a lot of to, as a community, it is still very desirable. And um, the, the core of our athletes um, across the board in all sports still live in, in the heart of Sienna. And, um, and the other thing too is, that's why I do so much on social media is I, I, you know, in my parent meetings, I I want my desire and goal is for Ridgepoint to be in the same breath as the Katie's and, and North shores and Allen's and South Lake Carroll's and, and, and West Lakes. And so what I mean by that is when a family's looking to get relocated to Houston, you know, dot job change, whatever, you know, people automatically, when you think of Houston, there's, there's one or two schools that immediately come to mind yeah. if you're now out of town or, and that's Katie and North shore, you know? And oh, so, so true, because I mean, I'm obviously my son is very young, but me knowing the high school football game, when I made a decision, cause we live in the Heights now house is too small, but you know, when we decided, decided to move to the suburbs, obviously football had a big impact on my decision. And I, I chose Katie cause I wanted my son to be a part of that tradition whether he plays or not i just know it's a it's a championship atmosphere inside of katie high school right. whatever he does academics all of that you know so that's why i chose it so you are right i mean people choose schools based upon those kinds of factors right so that i mean that's where i want ridgepoint to be thought of and and so um i do a lot of marketing if you will yeah. um yeah. uh on social media um I take a, co- a college approach, to be honest with you. Um, you do. And, you do a great uh, job of it. Yeah, I, I appreciate. It. And and um, I and it's but it's not just football. You know, I want if if a family has a a, a, a little girl that runs track or plays softball or or plays soccer or volleyball, I want Ridgepoint to be. Oh man, you need to go check it, man. The great community, great school, great academics. You know, I want that to be in the mind, but they don't know if you don't, you know, promote that, communicate that. And so um, I, it's not just football, you know, I mean, it's, it's baseball and softball and track and, and volleyball and, and golf and tennis. And yeah. um, I want all those to be at a championship level, which they are. And that helps, you know, bring families and keep, I guess, uh, rich points at a, at a championship level over time. And so to answer your question, I, I think Crawford's going to have a, a great future. Um, but I, I think Rich Point is still going to very much like Katie yeah. and you know, is, is my hope and dream that that regardless of all the schools being built in Katie, Katie's still Katie, you know, and and um, and so hopefully um, regardless of however many schools they continue to build, you know, and the, and the district grows that Rich Point and our, our, our community here still, you know, excels on and off the field. Absolutely. And, you know, I look at the district landscape now and when I was there, the big rival was Elkins. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you think back to that Thursday night game and we, we beat them the first time that we, you know, uh, played that at the varsity level. And I think the dynamics have changed a little bit as I kind of observe as a broadcaster and some Elkins has fallen off a little bit, but it seems like Hightower after a couple of years of absence, you know, uh, down in 5A has come back. And I mean, man, you, you guys played a game for the ages this year. So this looks like this Tollway Cup 
is in, <laughs> it's in good health. It, it's in yeah. the Bridgepoint High School Fieldhouse right now. And, uh, you know, but what a, what a great first uh, addition there. And you mentioned with scheduling, you've, you've never been afraid to, to schedule with some bravado. You, you meant when you're at Lamar, you scheduled Bridgepoint. You know, you, you scheduled Austin Westlake. I'm so. much wiser. I don't know how smart that was back then. But, uh, I mean, there's just so much talent in this this little corridor over here. I call it the Highway 6 corridor, you know. And, and extending into Shadow Creek and Manville. Yeah, I mean, Manville, it's just yeah. Incredible. Well, yeah, it really, just you're, you're so right about what you described with that that feeling in Siena. I, I remember when, uh, I remember Coach Stephen's wife was the principal at Santa Crossing Elementary. And so we kind of started that tradition. We would bust, like on a game day, we'd bust the kids and that's probably maybe my favorite memory from Ridgepoint is just watching our guys in their jerseys going around, giving high fives to the little kids. And they were just looking at them like rock stars yeah. and the band was there and the drum line. And so I just, you're right. The, the, the tradition and spirit is alive and well. Now we don't talk much X's and O's, but I did want to ask you this. We do have coaches that listen. When I first saw, when you first came to Ridgepoint, the, the defense where you kind of had your, your mic, you know, I know Taylor Davis has done this somewhere. It's he's just backed off so far. I remember first broadcasting that. And I just, it kind of looked like a, a three-four ridge point defense, but the micros, you know, at safety level, and I'm just like, man, I think I was calling your game against Travis. I'm like, oh, surely Travis is going to run the ball, but you did a great job. And the more and more I watched your games, I honestly like really started liking that. I know you do a couple different variations of your defense, mm-hmm. but I really liked that version of the ridge point def- the black shirt defense, you know. And yeah. um, I got to thinking, man. If I had, if you had told to me that to me then, maybe I could have backed Steve Ann Blaylock because he could do it. I didn't know it back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steve Ann's that kind of guy with some little, some wheels, you know, he could have done something like yeah. that. Maybe not quite as fast. Or, you know, Taylor's more yeah. of a safety type, but yeah, I love it. And it's really what I, it's a yeah. cool story, not to cut you off. No, but, that's yeah. I'd love um, to hear more about how it started. So I'm at, at uh, Lamar Consolidated and David Beatty and I worked together at Rice. He's the head coach at, yeah. or, uh, at Kansas at the time. Yep. He comes through in January recruiting when head coaches could be on the road. And uh, and he's a high-energy guy. And so he comes to my office, and, and it's just me and him. And he's like, Rick, Rick, man, because this, this is the next this is the next thing, man. And uh, kind of like the RPO was to the offense, yeah. you know, uh, to the game of football. He's like, this is the next big thing. So he draws it up on the board, and it's three down line. It's a, like basically like a four-man box. I mean, it's three yeah. down linemen, the Mike linebacker, and then three high safeties, yeah. two outside linebackers, two corners. I mean, yeah. you know, it just – it was the most unorthodox. It looked like you could run the ball all day. You Correct. know, like, what the heck? And he goes, I'm telling you. That's and the beauty of it, though. <laughs> it, it was Iowa State. And, um, and, and so he said – this was in 2017, I believe. Yeah, 2017. So fall of two, or, you know, uh, so sorry. Yeah, January 2018. They ran it in the fall of 2017. That's the first time it had been running in college, okay? And um, the story goes, the Iowa State defense, you know, wasn't traditionally athletic, and um, they were playing all these high-powered Big 12 offenses, Oklahoma, uh-huh. uh, probably had Baker Mayfield at the time. I can't remember. Um you know, Texas was thrown around, TCU was thrown around, Oklahoma State was thrown around. I mean, it was just um, high-powered offense. And so they couldn't compete. And he's, the defense coordinator said that he was uh, looking next to him. He's like, one of my best athletes, best tacklers is on the sideline because he's the safety, but we're in a 4-3. And, sure. you know, and, and yeah. but he's, he's, he's better than my Sam, but he's not the Sam linebacker, you know. And yeah. so it, it – 
he, he during the off season, or excuse me, during the open week, they put in this defense and it was to get their best 11 out there, kind of some hybrid guys that were standing on the sideline, you know, drinking water, he said, and, um, and he uh, unleashed it on, and I don't remember the, the order of the opponents, but it was Oklahoma, Texas, and TCU. All three were the top, uh, you know, contending for the, the Big 12 championship offenses and all that stuff. And he beats two out of the three and should have yeah. beat the third one. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was with this defense. They didn't know what was going on. And, and of course, Beatty's like, he told me that story. And, and so I get the DC, I take a picture of it on my, mm-hmm. on the whiteboard. I send it to Cedric, who's teaching, yep. you know, social studies class yeah. and, and said, man, look at this. And so he got on, on the phone with the DC and uh, over a weekend and just spent several hours on the phone and uh, got some film sent to us. The, their, uh, I think he's the quarterback coach at the time, a receivers coach, but he recruited our area. He came down talk to it. He's like, I hate going against it in practice. So we installed it in, in the spring of 2018. And um, we we're a bear, you know, yeah. uh, zero uh, base defense as it was back then. And so that's what people knew us as nobody had known this. And we saved it in 2018. Um, we play AM consolidated. And, and then the following week was um, Huntsville and, I think AM Consolidated was they were like three in the four in the state, and the other one was five or six. Yeah. I mean, they were both top ten in the state at the time. And um, in fact, Lee, Lee Fedora's son, I think, was the quarterback. Anyway, um, we are ahead. We're ahead by I think three points, uh, or maybe six points, um, with uh, just about a minute and a half to go. And um, it was all because of that, that we had three interceptions. I mean, we sacked him so many times and um, talent wise, we weren't even close then. They had three power five, one with AM, Arizona and Texas tech, you know, yeah. receivers. Yeah. And um, so that was like, and, and so we saved until that game as a you know, yeah. game four or five, whatever. Then the next week we play Huntsville um, who had, uh, Sweat, who you know was a big defensive tackle, uh, going to um, to to Texas. I mean, they were extremely talented, and we lose. So we lose to uh, to Huntsville by one point, and we lose mm-hmm. to um, AM Casal by two. Yeah, and then we go on to make the playoffs for the first time, and yeah. and and such. And so um, that was the birth of it. I've, I've, yeah. I don't have any data to show this, but I think we're the first high school, you know, in, in the Houston area to, to run that. First I've seen. So we, we've been doing it since 2018 and we had holes in it. We didn't, you know, didn't know, uh, we worked our way through things and yeah. formations and alignments and, and got answers and stuff. And so it's just kind of really evolved and, and uh, the two years at Lamar and then uh, we brought it over here as well. And we, we call it cyclone, you know, just. Okay. Like yeah. State. And um it's very secondary driven, you know, from the back end, a lot of communication and a lot of freedom within the, 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 the players uh, as far as adjusting calls and things and responsibilities, but the kids love it. Um, yeah. It gets truly kind of your best athletes on the field and yeah. fastest athletes. And, um, you know, when you look at a high school, you have a bunch of five, 10, 180, six foot, 180 pound kids. It's hard. You know, you don't always have, you're not always blessed with, you know, six three, two fifteen, and six yeah. four. You know, defense linemen, etc. So, 
it allowed us to kind of play with that and and um and such and so it's been a you know Cedric's definitely uh a lot of schools have reached out to us and and he's done some clinics and um you know clinics a lot of staffs and stuff so it's it, you know a bunch of people run it now and, and have their version of it and stuff but uh it's it's been been good for us and you know we're we're constantly trying to tweak it and, and improve it so I love it, Coach. Like I said, I was not a believer at first, but as I watched more and more, I I grew to grew to fall in love with it. And I've always told my my brother's a defensive coordinator in Oklahoma, and I've I've always felt like it's easier to to come up than to be too tight and go back. It's easier to be too it's easier to be out wide and come in from the outside spots, you know, and yeah. versus like being outflanked quickly. Yeah. I've always yeah. felt that way, so I I just love what you know, you're you're one hundred percent right. And I think too from like where it's tough on offenses is you look at a box and it looks like it's a four-man box, sure. five-man box, and everything's built off counts. And But you don't realize this dude's coming from, you know, 12 yards off the hash or mm-hmm. the corner or wherever. Yeah. And as an offensive lineman or, or um, a running back blocking assignments, and at the high school level, you don't have as much time to go through some of those intricate details that you might in college. But that's where, you know, you got a 200 – 80 pound lineman coming out and all, you know, who he's supposed to block is, was, is, you know, and this linebacker is not in a 30 technique. He's 12 yards off and he's screaming down. He does a little yeah. shimmy and, and, and it just, it's hard, you know, uh, for offenses to, to pick up and you can bring pressure from so many different places. So. Coach, last thing I want to say about your Ridgepoint part of your career, you know, the thing I love about watching you as a broadcaster. And I think that I was kind of, like I said, there's a lot of similarities between me and you. You're a much better coach than I ever was, but you know, we both are that kind of guy that like, we're not afraid to put on a costume on dress up day. Like I was the same way for homecoming. Like I would dress up for all the homecoming stuff and you're the same way, but I love watching on game days, man, because you are a ball of energy. I've always (laughs) said on these broadcasts, I would love to put a Fitbit on coach LaFavors on game day and just see what we come up with. Cause you, you were one of the coaches that you burst through not necessarily through the tape but you run out with the team i love that whenever you're coaching you are in constant motion you know sprint literally sprinting to go correct certain things and i mean i know there's different kinds of coaches and like i know you're saying is right wrong or indifferent none of them are right wrong or indifferent you know you have your stoic coach and then you have like your style of coach which i I actually really kind of gravitate towards so can you just talk about your kind of game day persona because i would call it a tasmanian devil (laughs) well what is your game day have you thought about that or just that's just what i do you know and and um you know the old coaching i think the best advice is be who you are you know and 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 so um there's moments i probably should be a little more stoic and 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 such and um you know when i reflect back home i'll talk to my wife like hey how you know (laughs) too crazy on the sideline or what but um (laughs) But, you know, I try, especially as I've gotten older and, and more seasoned as a coach, you know, you, you you have to recognize moments where everybody's kind of looking to you, you yeah, know, and yeah, and yeah. and um, if you're in panic mode, then that right. can create um, that as well. But I do I do think coach, the players take on a coach's personality. I always felt that as a position coach. Absolutely. And and um, and so you know, I, I am a high energy guy when it comes, I'm, what's funny is when I, when people that know me, I'm laid back and, and, you know, very much like you see, you know, on this interview and, and our podcast and 
my neighbors see me a certain way and then they yeah. come watch me you know coach yeah. and they're like you know Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde <laughs> yeah um but it's it's a uh, you know it's, it's more of an intensity it's not a I don't think I would not a, call it panic coach you don't look panic but you're you're coaching hard and yeah, I just I yeah. love watching I, coaches I guess, coach hard. yeah yeah that, I, I think so but yeah. I, I think something just want to make sure people perceive it the right way but um yeah. I think my players, you know, uh, our players see it the, the right way. I, I want them to, to play with a certain amount of intensity and, and, um, uh, you know, I don't know, physicalness, if you will. Um, you know, and it, we're, we're constantly communicating, talking and, you know, whether it's during practice or the weight room or pregame speech, halftime, sideline, whatever it is, there's kind of an ebb and flow of, of intense passion and then stoic composure, you know, and there's, I don't know if there's a a right formula for it, but it's just kind of an ebb and flow of of what you need. You know, there, uh, you know, when you're in a game that you're, you're kind of handling, if you will, you know, both on the scoreboard, you might see me still coaching my tail off and you're like, you know, dang, we're winning 40 to nothing. The dude's acting, you know, like we're down 40 to nothing. Right. Right. Um, I try to, you know, impress upon our kids that we have a standard and uh, use, you know, kind of the Nick Saban mentality on this, like whether we're playing, you know, uh, the Sienna Stallions or, you know, Baines Middle School or, or the Dallas Cowboys, we, we, we have to play at our best and, and whether we're up 40 or down 40. And so, that's where like just playing to a standard is, is is what I try to coach to, I guess. And so that's why you see me. Yeah. Like I'm going to, I'm going to rip a kid, you know, and get onto a kid and hold them accountable for misreading a, a, a defensive call or missing a block, even though we scored on it, you know, and like, cause I know that against Westlake or against North shore, right. that ain't going to cut it. There's you no know? room for so, error in those games. Yeah. Yeah. And so just, I think, you know, if people came and watched me and, and saw that, and you're like, dude, what, what's, what's he flipping out for? You know, it's, it's, well, it's, it's that mentality of that. It's that's, it might work now against a certain opponent, but it's not going to work against the North shores and, and the task That's good coaching coach. And for listeners and young coaches listening to the show, that that's something I took away from your predecessor, my mentor, coach Sniffen as a defensive coordinator, the worst weeks of my life, when we were going to play Northbrook and Springwoods yeah. or some opponent, you know, that we had Did a lot you, of, yeah. Yeah. that was the worst week of my life. He was up my ass all week. <laughs> he was a terror on the sideline. I've almost got fired against Springwoods multiple times and had play calling duties taken over because, <laughs> and it's, I believe it's all by design. He knows that you're just naturally going to let down in those weeks and coach Sniffen just would not allow it, you know, yeah. and I, I hated those weeks. I hated those weeks of preparation because he was pushing us so hard, but that's, I think it's good coaching. And then at the same time, I noticed like the games where we gave up the most points, that's when actually when coach Stephen was the most forgiving. Cause that's when it was against a good opponent and he understood right, right. and he was in those moments, he's closing the ranks and he's supporting you, yes, you know, yeah. but if you give up two yards to spring woods, he's wants to fire you. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I had to learn, I had to learn that as an assistant and understand what he was doing. Because at right. first, God, we, we won by 40. What's the deal, man? Like, yeah. I'm going home on this bus ride thinking I just did the worst <laughs> job of my life. We yeah. beat Bush yeah. 40 to nothing, you know? But yeah. I see now that what he was doing. 
Yeah, I, I probably coach harder, you know, during those those weeks. Uh, some of my most stressful as a head coach is, uh, and I always tell coach of any sport, win the ones you're supposed to win. Sure. You know that that's my biggest fear is losing um, one that you 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 shouldn't because you you relax and so. Right. Um, I probably, and I learned it from, you know, Coach Patterson, uh, uh, Gary Patterson, Coach Dennis Francioni. Very similar uh, philosophy in that. I've, I've never coached with Coach Saban, but I, I, I yeah. think that is kind of what he does as well. And so, um, that's some of the most stressful. Is just you know, you don't want to slip, you know. And and I'm probably a little more stoic in the bigger games because right. there's, there's already, you know, enough pressure and, 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 yep. and, uh, energy in the game. I don't have to insert that. That's right. You know? That's right. So. Coach last serious topic where we have some fun at the end here, right. you have a unique position where, you know, and for me, I'm 10 years older than my younger brother. It's just the two of us, but there's a big age gap. You have a kid who's playing college football. And then I saw on your schedule, you're also going to little league games. So your, your, your sons are very spread out in age. You know, I don't recommend that all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. you have a really unique perspective. And also, you know, you've, you've coached your son, you know, as a head coach, you got to coach him when he was a standout offensive lineman for the Ridgepoint Panthers. You're, you're going to little league games. You've kind of seen it all from all these different perspectives. Now that I'm not coaching, I don't have my headset on and I'm broadcasting. I can hear a lot more of the negative fan behavior in the stands. And I just hate it, whether it's directed at, whether it's directed at coaches or officials, like I just think that sports is the best thing we have going in society. It's the true meritocracy that yeah. we have where people are equal. And like, you know, we, we do band together as brothers and sisters for the team. And so, so many beautiful things. So I hate when parents ruin that or fans ruin that stuff. So my question to you, and I ask this to all my guests, cause you, you've kind of seen it all as a coach, as a parent of different age groups, what advice do you have? to parents that maybe do get this inclination to become negative and yell and question. And what do you, what advice do you have for them? Cause I think that's not what's best for the kid. No, it's not. I, I you know, the, the dinner table coaching, yeah. you know, conversation, yeah. I think it's crazy. One thing that, that Kim and I always did with, with any of our kids is we never, we've never talked negative about another player yep. or a coach or scheme, yep, if you will, no matter the sport, in front of our kids. Now there might be, you know, Kim and I are in, in, in our, our bedroom or or our bathroom and and it's like, ah, I can't believe, you know, sure, sure. little Johnny, you know, did this and well, I don't know why we called that play, blah, blah. You know, that's that's natural. But <clears throat> we always had a united voice because I because what happens is kids are impressionable. So they hear um it's kind of like the locker room lawyer, but it's at home, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, um, and so they hear something, you know, mom or dad say something on the ride home, um, that validates your feelings, you yep. know, and, um, and, uh, kind of plants that seed of doubt. And so that's where trust, and again, I'm going to go back to trust, uh, starts to, to fracture and, um, both with the kid and the parent. And so, um, I think for parents, you know, understand that, you know, we're not perfect. Um, we're not going to make the right call, you know, and, and, and uh, every time, but we, we truly are trying to make the best decision in that moment. That's one thing I do with spring football. I, love, I got this from David Bailiff and um, 
for the spring game, I'll bring in celebrities. And uh, when I say celebrities, like the superintendent and, yeah. and, you know, principals and teachers and, and, um, and they will be the coaches uh, for the spring game. And so. Okay. okay. They, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. And, but what's, what's, I probably should have parents come down and do it because um, it gives you a very unique perspective and it's good for the teachers because um, the amount of pressure you have, you know, the 25 second clock or the 45 second clock. How does that work? Do you give them like a, a like a, a list of the plays? They call can it choose the, like a menu or how? Yes. Yeah, so we call it the Xbox board. So my coordinators that will build it. It's so cool. It's on a, a, a poster board, if you will. Yeah. And um, you know, play one play two you know there's a, a reverse <laughs> Coach, a that pass, is awesome <laughs> a run and then yeah. if they if, if they want to say like i yeah, can we get the ball to john paul you know yeah. we know the playbook like i want to throw it to john paul and you know whatever but um right. but they'll call the first half and um and so but it gives them the idea and you're like okay hey, you know stand that now the coaches signal no go uh you know like okay you know 10 seconds it's third down you know uh this but you know and yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I don't think people realize it's even as a coach. I mean, I'm sure you've done it now too. You're watching Michigan play. You're watching TCU play. uh, And, and as a fan, you're like, Oh dang it. Why, why'd we call that? You should have done this. That dude was wide open. Why didn't, you know, that was me. Why did we do the trick play at the goal line against TCU? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I have to agree with you on that one. Um, But, (laughs) but there are moments, you know, where you question stuff and I have to remind myself like, don't be that guy, you know, and, and, and because they didn't just pull that out of their, their butt, you know, and, and there, there is now I will say, you know, one of the biggest enemies of coaches, we overthink things sometimes too. They think that I'm going to do this. And so I'm going to do this. And, and, um, and and sometimes just do what you do, but, um, but uh, anyway, so I I think for parents just understand where we, for the most part, I, I would say anybody and teachers too. They love your kids. They want what's right. best for them. They're trying to help them. Um, I think again, it goes back to that trust. So much, so many times we think the teacher hates our kid, or the right. the coach right. hates our kid, and they're just trying to to sabotage, you yeah. know. And it, it's it's not, you know. And yeah. and um, that that part is probably the hardest to understand, you know, as a, as a parent. So. Um, I, I, you can disagree with us, just do it in your bedroom, you know, and, and do it in your car by yourself. You That's know, that great advice, trigger, you know, yeah, that, uh, but just in the stands speak, uh, you know, speak greatness. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of coaching from the sideline and telling your kid, Hey, Rick, you know, come here, Hey, you know, you yep. need to do this, this. No, I hate know. that. And I, I tell my kid all the time, turn around, you know, don't, don't look at my own kids, you know, no, yeah. no, you know, go listen to your coach. And, and in the car, I'll, you know, hey, do you want to, if they start asking questions, what do you want? Do you want the coach perspective or do you want the parent perspective? You know, because yeah. I, I think there's a difference sometimes, sure. you know, and, and such. So, um, yeah, it is, it's tough. Uh, I think it's important for parents to not contradict, you know, when kids have, and I'll be honest with you, if you, if you polled, in fact, studies have been done by this. It's just, I don't think as parents don't realize it uh, or they don't read these studies, but kids are embarrassed by totally the, agree. The, 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 they parents think that they're 
helping and and, yeah. and loving and I'm passionate all that stuff. And no, they're, they're, they're your, your son or daughter is embarrassed, you know, that, yeah. that you're acting like that. So and I've never understood how, why parents would, why would I dog my kid's coach? Cause like it or not, like he's the coach. So I like, I'm setting my kid up for failure because I'm right. planting that seed in the back of his or her mind that this coach, I know what they're doing. Are right. they going to play their hardest for this coach? That should not, no way. I, I, mean, remember, yeah, like, I gotta keep saying the word trust, you know, yeah, they, know I, they don't trust the you. The closest I've had to being a dad is my brother was 10 years younger than me. So I, I would go to his games and it felt like he was my son because I'm so much yeah, older yeah, yeah. and I would go stand at the very top of Mercer stadium so I could get away from the parents. But mm -hmm. inevitably some dad would come up and find me and be, Hey, can you believe that? And I said, I, I would stop him. I said, I really, I think these guys, I said, I, these coaches are excellent. You know, we're the Travis Tigers. We won a district, district championship last year. Like, these are great coaches. Like, yeah. that's how I feel about it. Like, when my sons, if he plays sports, like, I could not care less if they, what play call they make. Yeah. I just want them to love my kid and develop them. You right. know, and I, I wish everybody could do that. But I love your advice. Work, yeah, yeah love, relationship, work hard. Um, I, I totally agree. And, and I think, um, you know, misery loves company yes. and so yeah. that's that's the other thing that just starts feeding the monster so okay a couple fun stories coach you've never bumped into any hollywood stars which i find that hard to believe you just you seem like the kind of guy like you'd bump into somebody fam super famous but i mean i i, I tried when you asked me that question i tried to think and and i really i don't think i have it's more athletes you, you know, got a couple not, big ones here you got emmett smith and then you waited on troy aikman at joe t garcia's in fort worth so the <laughs> restaurant there so any any funny little nuggets from those interactions so or? troy aikman i was away i was still in college yeah. at the time playing so that was a, a summer job as a waiter at joe t garcia's if, if, you know awesome restaurant there in, in uh cowtown but um he was uh he was there i remember you know turn around i was like oh you know he's on he was on a date and uh he wasn't married at the time and and um you know, you try to act cool and yeah. and uh, and such, and so pitcher margaritas and a couple of orders of fajitas, and you yeah. know, and such. So, uh, but I mean, outside of that, just kind of cool to say I wait on him. But um, he's bigger than you, you know, yeah. you, you yeah. realize in person. And then Emmett Smith, I was actually coaching at the time at TCU, and he came by with LT. It was there, and I, nice. I, I think he had, was doing a camp or came by to watch some training or something. And people don't realize how short Emmett Smith is. Um, yeah. He was not a, a very big, or what I envisioned. I thought he, he would be much bigger, but he's he's really not yeah. uh, that big. But um, that was that was neat to meet him. And I I, I met um, Bart Starr, you know, some guys that, cool. from Alabama, and, and you know, through the history of that, and Joe Joe Namath, and and uh, um, you know Bob Lilly of, of, of you know just some some athletes that are famous you know but not it's interesting you say that because i've had the same experience where i've i've ran into adrian peterson and jj watt you know and i didn't talk to him but i was up close to him and they were i don't want, i don't know if smaller is the right word but they were more like more slender than i thought they would be and i think that's because they're just incredible athletes yeah and they can easily pack on more muscle when they need to but they're really like they're they're lean I right. guess of what I would describe when I saw those two, they're very yeah. like lean and, and lank, you know, that yeah, kind of thing, but. yeah, I've never seen JJ. I would envision him being huge, but, yeah. um, but Adrian, I, I, I'll never forget. I was coaching at A&M and, and uh, as a strength coach pregame, you know, I, I'm not working out of position or anything. Yeah. So I could go down to the opponent's yeah. side uh, yeah. of our, of our sideline and, and just observe and watch, you know, and stuff. And the running backs, you know, usually positions have certain places on the field during pregame, and the running backs had to be on our sideline. 
doing their thing. And Adrian Peterson was a true freshman um, that year. And uh, I mean, the dude was gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just yeah, most incredible looking athlete in a uniform. And to think that he was 18, 19 years old at the oldest. And, and that's the thing. When I saw him, he was probably like in a cut phase of his off season. Yeah. But it just shows they can just pack on the muscle whenever they're getting ready to, yeah, to gear it up. You know, I saw him in the summertime, early in the yeah. summer. So, well, Coach, last story here, and this, this gave me some chills because I had a similar experience of Coach Stiff, and this before you got here, but I was assigned the job of, of renting our charter bus to take us to Tomball Memorial or to, to Tom, old Tomball Stadium to play Tomball Memorial. Of course, I rent like the worst, most unprofessional bus driver ever. He shows up 30 minutes late. And then we're driving. We're going to Tomball on the northwest side. I look up. And we're we're we're, stu- we're stopped in traffic in the Galleria. I'm like, why the hell do we go into the city to go out to Tomball coming from the southwest side of town? So that was we 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 probably made it maybe a half hour before kickoff. I thought I was going to get fired on the spot. So I understand your story here, but you had a similar experience. Your first ever job as a GA. What what'd you do? Uh, uh two, and that all happened uh, on the same trip. Right. So um. <laughs> 1998, you know, September, whatever, very first college game. Uh, Dennis Francione's new head coach. I'm a new GA. Uh, and we're, we're the first game out of the bat is, is Iowa State, a, a yeah. big eight opponent. Yeah. You know, there yeah. was no big 12. And, uh, but it's, but TC was in the, the, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. They were in the, yeah, there was Big 12, I, I guess, in 98, if I, uh-huh. if I recall correctly. Yeah, I believe so, yes. But we were in the whack, you know, and so yeah. it was, a, you know, little little yeah. brother playing a big, big, big dog. And um, so we go up there, and um, the, uh, I'm, I'm in charge of stretching, okay? That was part of it. So as you go there on Friday, your Saturday game, you go there, you go to the stadium, you do a walkthrough, but you stretch before. That was, that was I led the stretch. Well, prior to getting there, Coach Fran, this is what's kind of cool, some of this espionage that goes on in college ball that people don't really realize. But um, they had built a brand new, at that time, it's brand new uh, end zone facility at, at, at uh, Tri Stadium there. And um, our job as, as GAs, my, he told myself and Jared Anderson, uh, we were to go hunting. For anything, you know, just see see what you could see in the bill. You know, if there are any plays on the board, any any <laughs> scripts in the trash can, any any you know practice schedules. That's what we did. And so, you know, head man told me to do it. I was like, yes, sir. You know, and and yeah. um, I was probably twenty five years old at the time. And um, and so I did not let anybody else know. Hey, the head man told me to go do this. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. So we get to the stadium. Players change and they go out and start throwing the ball around. And me and Jared Anderson are walking through this new facility, you know, uh, yeah. as spies, if you will, and, yeah. and kind of checking doors and seeing what's open. And and they didn't have cell phones, so you couldn't take pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, checking trash cans and and seeing if there's any practice scripts and 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 things still left over from the day before, whatever. Yep. And um, long story short. Uh, nobody was there to stretch them. And, and so this particular coach who was linebackers coach named Mark Parks, uh, who was a former GA at New Mexico with Coach Fran and had elevated yeah. to full time. And he was one of those guys that, you know, I mean, he rode me so hard. I mean, yeah. he, he yeah. was he was the guy that I had to do, you know, get coffee, make yeah. coffees, <laughs> wash his car, 
it was always, well, if I were you, you know, uh, when I was a GA, this is, I just, I could not be right. You know, he was like the drill sergeant uh, in boot camp, if you will. So um, he ended up having to do the stretch. Okay. Okay. He led it. He had done it before at New Mexico as a GA. So now he's doing it. But um, after, you know, the warm up walkthrough and all stuff, we get back in the locker room and he comes over to me and, and, politely uh speaks in french to me um if you will and you. um yeah. uh let me you know what the yeah. where are you but oh you know i thought i was justified i was like yeah coach fran you know yeah. our boss told me to go do this yeah i don't you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, blah, 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 you know and so <laughs> i learned real quickly hey just because the head man tells you something you need to let someone else know sure uh, sure to take care of your responsibilities so that was lesson one um <laughs> move forward to the next game day on Saturday, we're staying in in uh, Des Moines, or not Des Moines, we're staying in, uh, I forget what the city is, because you got to drive, uh, or yeah, we're staying in Des Moines, you got to drive to Ames. Yeah. So we're, we're at the hotel, and the way Fran's schedule was, is you had your pregame meal, and then you you got, you left the ballroom and got straight on the bus, okay? And this is my first rodeo. So, yeah. um, you know, had all the rah-rah speeches, ate the pregame meal, we're ready. I'm ready to suit up myself, you know, yeah. I'm still... Uh, young and, and and fired up yeah so shoot i'm one of the first ones on the bus it's fun let's go you yeah, know and yeah. I'm, I'm sitting on the third row because gary <laughs> patterson and you know the coaches sat on the on the, the first second row and then all the players behind and players are coming on the bus and you know we're ready to go coach parks uh the linebacker coach yeah. leans over to me and goes are all my guys here now, he's the only coach that said this all right he goes yeah. are all my guys here and i go uh you know I, yeah. let me look yeah. you know and, yeah. and this is like as the bus driver is putting it in drive yeah um you know go one two three oh yeah yeah they're here they're here and i mean you know they look good you know i'm looking back on yeah. 50 guys yeah. it's hard yeah. to tell so yeah um and i didn't feel like i had enough authority to say stop the bus you know so, <laughs> and, and, and uh so again i thought everybody was here who's gonna miss the bus so we're going it's about a, i think it was an hour drive uh, hour and a half drive to, to ames from des moines and um, a little two-lane highway. Uh-huh. It'd be like going to College Station from here. Right. And uh, anyway, about midway through, um, there were, I take it back, there were cell phones. They just weren't camera phones. But yeah. um, uh, we get a call that our starting linebacker oh my uh, God. is was in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> he went from the ballroom, you know, pre yeah. to the bathroom and never got on the bus. And so... Um, he looked at oh, I'm gonna get the linebacker coach because Parks turned <laughs> looked at me and and let me know, you know, again speaking in French to me, yeah. um, that uh of what went down. And so highway patrol happened to be left back. He takes him in his car, cuts through traffic. We get to we we're again it's our drive. So we get to the stadium, we're suiting up, we go through all of pregame. He is still not there. Coach Fran knows none of this, okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and uh, he suits up and, and walk, walks out of the tunnel with the, with the team. Finally, again, yeah. coach Fran, we go on to win upset Iowa state. Yeah. We finally tell coach Fran, you know, afterwards <laughs> what happened. And, and thankfully we won because I think if we would have lost it, I, I might not be a GA at, 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 uh, too funny. <laughs> But uh, from then on, I printed off like six roll sheets. <laughs> uh, I swear to God, I mean, it, it, that's why I think I'm, you know, a certain way sometimes. But yeah. uh, 
every meeting, every, you know, it was a highlighter, yeah. you know, and then yeah. when yeah. I throw that one away and went for the, I had a folder uh, of every, every player on the, on the team. And I learned quickly. What's funny is the, the, the GA uh, for the offensive bus, Jared, he didn't do, he did the same thing I did. Yeah. He didn't get any trouble, you know, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. he got on the bus, you know, but from then on, I, you know, so. That's too funny, man. Yeah. Love that story. And the last, last segment, you know, your favorite teams, you wrote Cowboys painfully. <laughs> and I got to ask you, man, because I've met people uh, from El Paso. Coach Torres was from El Paso. And he sometimes in these more remote parts of the state, even though you're Texans, it's not like you have the Mavericks or the Cowboys or the Rockets like right near you. And so sometimes these people like will, will like like the Yankees or, or certain other teams from around mm-hmm. the country because you see them on national TV or they like Notre Dame or something like that. Or I've seen the same thing like my company's Dactronics is based in South Dakota. So some of those people like like the Yankees and Notre Dame yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So do you see that in Amarillo, like where you, you do see some national teams? have popularity uh, no, so, all Cowboys? So You got to think when people like, how are you a Cowboys fan? There's pretty much a north part of Texas, you know, and so I know it's a panel, but I was Rangers, yeah. Mavericks, and, you know, I had a Mavericks jersey, uh, yeah. went to Rangers game at the old Rangers state, yeah, like the, yeah. the original metal stadium. And um, before they built the ballpark and, um, you know, Nolan Ryan and, and uh, Franco and I mean, all yeah. those guys uh, for, for the Rangers and Cowboys. I just grew up with, you know, Tony Dorsett. I would emulate sure. being Drew yeah. Pearson and, and all those guys, uh, Roger Staubach and Danny White. Um, so the north part of Texas was all Cowboys. Cowboy and country. then yeah. the south part, uh, not when I say south, really just kind of the Houston part, because yeah. I think. Cowboys really was through San Antonio Probably. And, and, yeah. and, and, and um, uh, a lot of, you know, El Paso and a lot of the border towns yeah. are, are Cowboy fans for, for whatever reason. But um, so that's how I became a Cowboy fan. And, and then, um, you know, obviously moved to Texas or to, to yeah. Houston and, and the Texans are here and, and um, uh, you know, you adopt them and fall in love with them. I fall in love with the Rangers, the Astros. Yeah. I mean, my dad liked the Astros, but I was a Ranger fan, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, but now I love the, the Astros, sure. and, you know, and, and they're easy to root for. Absolutely. I, I do love the Texans, but it's, it's painful here lately, you know, and, yeah, and, oh, yeah. uh, and that's why I said painfully with the Cowboys. I love the Cowboys uh, and, and cheering for them uh, no matter who they're playing, but it's been tough, you know, just been a long spell. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and through college is when they were in their, 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 there and I was in Fort Worth, yeah. you know, so yeah. just get to see and be a part of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's where it was painfully. I'm a Cowboys fan, but and you said you're a casual Rockets fan, we totally get that. And then anything TCU, and one thing I wanted to ask about this because you've kind of transitioned the Ridge Point to kind of more like black uniforms, I've noticed over the years. You kind of put more black into it. Yeah, he's telling you, give me this sign, but you know, I think that might be your TCU influence, but I'm here to tell you, I'm wearing my favorite ever TCU jersey, this kind of late 90s. You know, uh, I'm wearing my LT jersey in your honor. I'm proposing to you. What if for one of the next uniforms you buy, you mimic this 1998 TCU uniform and make that the Ridgepoint uniform? I think that would be awesome with a purple helmet. Oh, man, that could be something special. We, 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 uh, I can tell you this. We, we got, we got something special coming this, this okay. fall that, 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 that mimics, uh, more of a recent TCU, but, um, okay. that I think will, uh, uh, shock our players and, and, um, and the fans. So and that's oh, in a good wait. way. So I can't wait. That, that's going to be yeah. awesome. Coach. Last thing here, 
I'm, you know, you're, you're Mr. TCU. You had the storybook run all the way to the national championship game this year. I'm asking you for your TCU Horn Frog football Mount Rushmore. So, of course, that's your top four. Who are your four greatest? And maybe it's your favorite, maybe not greatest, but just the four that if you had to build a TCU Mount Rushmore, who would you put on it? Ooh, um, I'm going to put, I'm going to start off with, uh, <clears throat> I think Gary Patterson, I think you got to put him on there uh, as the winningest coach. And, and uh, you know, there, there's a statue in, in, of him already uh, in front of the stadium for a reason. So I think he's got to be on there. Um, I think LT, LaDainian Tomlinson. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Has to be on there. Um, You know, I, I'm going to be victim of of being a recent, you know, sure. just because of, of recent history. I'm, I'm sure there are people that would argue the Davy O'Briens and and all yeah. that stuff. But um, for me and in my lifetime, um, the the two that I would finish out with are the two quarterbacks, um, uh, Duggan and and um, uh, geez, drew a blank from Katie Redhead, Andy uh, Dalton. Andy Dalton. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that would be my four. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, those four have impacted not just the football program, but the the brand, if yeah, you will, of uh, of making it a national brand. Probably responsible for more admissions and and yep. and you know acquiring fans and and such, and just their their ripple effects. You know, and and that particular group of, of four spans from 1998 to 2022. You yeah, know, yeah, and um, yeah. that's a pretty good spectrum. You know, of 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 uh, representation. I think so. That That'd would be, be my four. I'm sure there could be again arguments for um, you know Bob Lilly's and and, yeah. and um, Davy O'Brien and you know some right, of those right, right, right great great players kenneth davis you know yeah. but um but for my lifetime and i and, and i truly do think those four it would be hard pressed to argue of their impact uh on on, on tcu totally agree that would have been my four as well but man what a great episode it's been if you've enjoyed it as much as i have please take that moment give us the five star rating that helps more people find the show Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. You can follow me on Twitter at coach underscore KOVO. If you want to give us feedback, you can message me on Twitter or email us at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. And we're, we always lift up our own inside the Team Player Nation. So, you know, give us suggestions. We, we are building a little community here, and it's a lot of fun. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr, who was a defensive end the, the year that you were there. Excellent, uh, just talented artist, and I, I love my Great. cover art. I, I, I just love looking at him, and Kaiser's so talented. And then our exit music, and our intro and exit music, is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. Uh, you didn't know him. He actually was one of my players at Clements. And you can find his music uh, on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Rick LeFavors, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Appreciate it, bro. Love you, and, and uh, love your podcast. You're doing a great job. I know I've, I've heard several of your guests talk, yeah. you know, Andres Gomez, we're yeah. on the board yeah. uh, of uh, directors together, the JHFCA. And he, I think you had him on uh, yep. several weeks ago and he's right. actually, we're talking about doing a podcast and, and, and he's kind I of, I can't wait. That. He's told me yeah. that. Yeah. That's going to be yeah. awesome coach. So no, you're, you're getting great positive feedback. People love doing it. You're doing a great job. So.
Thanks so much, Coach. And we appreciate all the team players listening for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy, 